Here's to you, dear listeners, and welcome to Metal Gear Mondays, the most thorough Death Stranding podcast on the internet. I am one of your hosts, Sam Wright. I'm a little sick boy, a little post-Halloween sickness for you, <laughs> up in ya, you know. Uh, <laughs> you got that spooky flu. So apologies. You got that spooky flu, that spooky, scary flu. <laughs> uh, I knew I should have gotten my flu shot last week, but yeah, whatever. Um, I... Could not do this alone. Um, of course, I'm here with Mr. Cold Duncan. Hey, Sam. I'm sorry you're not feeling great, dude. Well, you know, it, sometimes, sometimes, oh, God, wow. Sometimes. sometimes. See, when, when I do the, I can't do the high pitch thing because then <sighs> that's when it sounds really bad. Sometimes. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like uh, this is my fault in a weird way. <laughs> I really do. I feel, I feel terrible. You're because- right. We could, well, because like <laughs> we should have been, we should have had this recorded like a couple days ago. But my PC was like, ah, you know what? Nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> why would I? Why would I want to work for you? Yeah. Um, so I am sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm. I'm. We're here. We're. We made it, and it's an outer op. So we're going to be. Discussing your topics that you suggested on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, for patrons, you can visit uh, patreon.com slash Metal Gear Mondays uh, to be a part of that. Um, we're also going to be reading your emails about your theories and thoughts about Death Stranding. So it's going to be very, very interesting stuff. Um, and we're going to be uh, also talking about this brand new launch trailer that came Boy. out Um couple days ago yeah boy is right boy. Uh, the the final trailer before death stranding's release which as you're listening to this is this friday Woo. so or if you're enter- enterprising enough 9 p.m on uh on, on thursday <laughs> but <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it's almost time um but before we start talking death stranding uh, we want to do something we haven't done in a little bit, which is give a thanks on the show to our uh, $5 and up patrons, as is customary. Um, and we also have a couple 150-word messages, um, or just messages, I guess, from mm-hmm. new patrons. Um, and we're going to talk about that right now. So, Cole, would you like to start talking about our list and we'll alternate back and forth sure i just want to say thanks to mr adam guard oh yeah adam guard i want to say thanks to mr ben lewis oh, look at him look, look at ben well while we're at it look might as well ben say uh you might as well say a uh, big thank you to brady oh yeah and another big thank you to kyle vincentini Pretty sure I got that right this time. I think you got that right. And then shout out to my boy, a- Chase Cortez. I see you, fam. Ooh, yeah. And then shout out to Colt, your boy and mine, Chris Hampton. Ooh, and then <laughs> another, uh, another. I'm going to skip over that dude because I don't no, like this no, guy. No, no, I don't think you are. I don't think you are going to skip over this dude. I think you're going <laughs> to do well, As you know, if big, this was intentional or something. Big shouts out to my boy, uh. Cole Duncan, absolutely just killing it right now. <laughs> You're doing great, King. Just, just crushing the game, slaying don't, the game. Don't, don't, don't ever uh, let them see you slipping. You got this. <laughs> then I want to also give a big shout out to Dean. Dean, uh, thank Dean. you as well to my man Jack Keating. Hmm. And a little bit of a thank you, big a lot of a bit of a thank you. What was that? What did I just do? With I my love that. Whatever it was. Um, 
a big a lot of a bit of a thank you to Joey Cochera. And a big old lot of a thank you to Mr. Joseph <laughs> Hanawalt. And uh, another big old lot of a thank you to Josh Shermer. And uh, can I say uh, konnichiwa to Mr. Joshua James? Oh, okay. Uh, and I'll say, I'll say, ring, ring, mushy, mush. Is that Joshua Mason? Sure <laughs> is. Thank you. <laughs> well, while we're at it, I'm going to say thanks to Joshua Wiley. Joshua Wiley. <laughs> uh, I'll give a big old shout out to Justin Norton. And uh, another thank you so, so much to Mr. Lewis Marin Jr., Lewis Baron Jr. It's a rap <laughs> song. Lewis Baron Jr. It's the new. It's that new. It's that new Migos joint. <laughs> it's Migos flow. And a, another huge thanks to Matt Jackersevic. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> I've always said Jackersevic, but I Jackersevic. Mean, that's that's probably Jakirsevic. right. <laughs> Matt Jackersevic, my man. Matt Jackersevic. Also, my man, Matt Smith. To the one of the cooler names on here, I love it, Mr. Michael A. Nielsen. Yes, indeed. And I'd like to give a shout out to Mr. Wolf Terry. We love you. Love you, dude. Oh, who's that over that I see over on the horizon, Sam? Is that? I can't be. Is that? Is that? It can't be. Is that Nick Ziegler? Oh my God. It, it is. is Nikki Z in Nikki the place Z. to be. Booyakasha. <laughs> we love, love that baby. Boy. We love, baby. Nikki Z in the place to be, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out here to Scott Fox. One love to the one and only. Thank you, my man. And I got to give a shout out to my boy, Tyler Nunez. Oh, yeah. And uh, a big shout out to not only... This man, but to your state, Mr. Tyler Washington. Ah. Tyler Washington, yes. And last but certainly not least, because it's all in alphabetical order, uh, Will Freshettes, thank you all for your generous contributions to the cause. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much. We've also got um, some Patreon messages, Patreon messages to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will... Um, actually, just for the sake of it, Nicole, could you read this first one? <laughs> we, uh, we yeah. never, it, it's a longer <laughs> one and we never begrudge folks, uh, for sending longer emails and messages. We, we really love it. But right now, um, I feel as if I'm not equipped to read a longer email. Yeah. So yeah, man. Out. I can, let me, let me, let me take over on this one. <laughs> cool, cool, uh, cool. so this is from our boy, uh, Josh Shermer. Uh, he says, you guys may know me as JossBoy94 on the Discord, and let me start off by saying I'm sorry it took this long to write to you guys. Like others who have written in, I had no idea how to word this message, so here goes my best attempt, and I hope I don't rant for too long. First off, I'll join the group and say I am glad this podcast exists. Personally, I don't listen to podcasts at all. But one morning when I came to work, I had an insatiable crave for someone to talk about Metal Gear and decided to search Spotify for a podcast on it. Lo and behold, I found you guys and my work days during the week have been a million times better just listening to you guys talk about playing the games, lore, and everything in between. The show is comedic, insightful, and just simply wonderful. 
well, I joined, so that's probably not going to be comedic for too much longer. I started listening in March on the very first cl- classic MGS episode and listened to it for hours and hours a day, even catching up to the Renton City Retro announcement on Memorial Day. Trust me, if I could have been there, I would have bought a plane ticket the day I heard that episode. Dang, son. <laughs> like others before me, this show has really brought a feeling of nostalgia to me. I quote-unquote played Metal Gear Solid 1 when I was about 5 or 6 to my dad. Like Sam, my dad and I would play it together, and I loved it instantly. However, being as young as I was, I did a lot more watching than playing, and would sit next to my dad on the couch for hours, watching him sneak around guards and fighting Ocelot and Sniper Wolf and the whole lot. One day I came home from school, and to my bewilderment, my dad told me he beat the Metal Gear and finished the game. Though I was not happy that he did it without me, come on dad, I was happy that he finally beat it. My dad was never really into video games and wasn't very good, but it was exciting. <laughs> it was exciting being so young and watching my dad play this amazing game. Unfortunately, my parents have since separated, but the memory I have with him and his game lives on and I will cherish it forever. In my sophomore year of high school, I remembered that the game used to exist and I found a copy at a secondhand store. You best believe I scooped it right up. As soon as I got home that day, I immediately popped it in and played the whole game through. Luckily for me, it was winter break, so I had nothing else to do. As soon as the end credits rolled, I flashed back to when my dad and I would play and thought to myself, wow, I finally did it on my own. It was then that my Metal Gear obsession started budding and I really got into the game. For Christmas that year, I was more than surprised to find Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 in a present from my dad. I was ecstatic. Finally, I could keep playing the story of Snake and the crew, and I had not one more, but two more games to play. To no surprise, they got played and beaten very quickly, and very many hours were spent staring at a TV. Metal Gear Solid 2 really got to me because, like probably everyone else, I was livid that I didn't play a snake for most of the game. Livid. Livid. And was very confused <laughs> about the plot. No, you're, you're not wrong, buddy. The plot, the point where you get to the weird codec calls from Colonel Campbell literally gave me nightmares for a while, and I didn't really know how to take the ending. I want you to know that I really sympathize with that point. <laughs> <laughs> It, Cole is not a Cole, Cole is not a scary. A, a I am not boy. a spooky boy at all, and that that's that last little bit fucked me up, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Metal Gear Solid Three also oofa, had me a little confused doofa. as to what oofa doofa what was going on until <laughs> the end, where Snake gets to the title of Big Boss. At that point, I literally said out loud, "Oh shit, that makes sense." Then the ending play played a Big Boss in the cemetery, and I absolutely lost it. That one tear from Big Boss and his salute just set me off, and I don't think an ending to a video game to this day has ever hit me as hard as that. Metal Gear Solid 4 was a while after those. I was in college. My roommate had a legacy collection. I spent many nights playing while everyone else had already gone to bed. To be honest, this was the only time I ever played Metal Gear Solid 4, but I loved it. I felt so bad for my man Old Snake and loved the ending with Big Boss. Then, years later, Metal Gear Solid 5 comes up on Free with Gold on Xbox. And I knew I had to play it. I'm not going to get into how depressingly lacking the story was, but the mechanics and gameplay were absolutely top-notch. But you know that song and dance, so I'll save their hand. Lastly, I just want to say that I love and adore this podcast. I'm so glad there are others out there who have the same obsession as me for this game. Just listening to you all talk about playing the game is fantastic, not to mention the lore. 
killer interviews, and everything in between. You guys have indefinitely made the most thorough Metal Gear podcast on the internet. Guys, never stop being amazing people. Listening to these podcasts, I almost feel like I have built a friendship with you all, and I love hearing what you guys have to say about literally anything. Patriot Club episodes are wonderful, and Alessio and Isaac's past DJing material is awesome. This last one is for Sam. Sam! Hello from Cincinnati. Hope Seattle is treating you well. Hello from Seattle. Also, do you say oop a lot? Because I sure as hell do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Frequently. As as Snake would say, you're pretty good. Sorry for the rant and long live MGM. Josh Shermer. P.S. Isaac Lim, my man. This is me replying to your tweet. I am doing this of my own free will and not because you tweeted at me on Twitter. Thanks for the shout out, and I hope that you have a great day, even though you said that one time that you, uh, and then he kind of trails off there, so it sounds mm-hmm. like. Well, he ran into the Twitter character limit there, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will read this message from our friend Tyler Washington. <clears throat> All right. Tyler, Tyler says, as a month-long fan, I have binged the hell out of your guys' show, and I've wanted to support since day one. But now finally can since I'm caught up. You Man, you caught up in a month? What the hell? Um, That's crazy. I found you while I was looking for Metal Gear music and somehow you showed up. I found myself laughing so hard at my old job that it got me through the last rough month and almost fell off a ladder because it was so funny. You guys are amazing. I even... I even... Oh, God. This is controversy. I even like Cam. I said it. Can't wait for the future with Death Stranding coming and the future in general and can't wait to be part of this future. Well, thanks, wow. man. Thanks, Tyler. I love Cam. Um, yeah, I love Cam. I'll, I'll, I'll wow, I'll, I'll I love baseball. From, <laughs> I'll scream it from the rooftops. I love Cam Clark. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> okay. Or is this? Or is this like the? See, now what I'm thinking is is like is Cam like our couple's name? You know how like you know like they had like Bradgelina. No, uh, he's talking. I'm very. I'm very sure he's talking about uh, Cameron. Hill. Oh, I love Camp too. From the old days. Um, yeah. So before we move on to um, to uh, talking about this launch trailer, I've got a couple of house cleaning things that I would like to bring up. Sure. Um, uh, we have a PlayStation community for Metal Gear Mondays. Um, that you should check out in the PSN community. Uh, join if you haven't received an invite. Keep up with your MGMers. And that's also going to be where you can see Alessio's stream. He's going to be streaming uh, Death Stranding on release day. So if you'd like to watch that, please join in. It'll be on the PSN community and Twitch. Um, he'll be streaming from 11.30 p.m. to 3 a.m. EST. That's Eastern Time. Um and that's on Thursday, November 7th to Friday, November 8th. And then he'll be back on 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. EST, Friday, November 8th. Um, you can check that out by joining that PSN community. Um, I think if you just search for Metal Gear Mondays, you'll find it. Um, and then also, uh, you can also go to bit.ly slash Alessio YouTube. And that'll get you on the YouTube version of the stream. So check things out. Um... He is also AC Summerfield on Twitch. He's going to be streaming there as well. So please check all that stuff out. Um, uh, 
then I would also like to very quickly thank um, uh, Fingers Music. That is F1NG3RS Music on Twitter, um, and I believe on YouTube as well, for the remix to the Death Stranding uh, theme song that we are currently using for our intro and outro for the Death Stranding season. You, of course, heard it at the top of this episode, um, and I'm going to thank him again at the end and do all this housekeeping stuff at the end, but I wanted to get everything up up at the front so you're not waiting for 30 years for this information. So, check all that stuff out. Follow Fingers on Twitter. Uh, follow Alessio on the various uh, the various points. Um, uh, and, yeah, check all that out. Absolutely. Now, Cole. Now, Sam. You ready to talk about this fucking launch trailer? His eight-minute masterpiece. Yeah, let's get into it. So yeah, this fucking <clears throat> this fucking trailer, dude. Um, this is the launch trailer that uh, we had talked about a couple weeks ago in the news section that we were promised. Um, uh, this is the one. It was cut together specifically by Hideo Kojima. Um, I'm not going to give like a spoiler uh, warning or like a time frame for you to jump out and jump back in. Um, I think we're very, we've been very clear on, um, the podcast that we believe like the trailers and all the stuff surrounding the game leading up to the game are very intentionally, um, intentionally part of the experience of a Kojima game and people, mm-hmm. people may can and might disagree with that, but we are, we have a very hard line, um, about how we feel about that. Um, and we're going to be talking about this for a little bit, so there's not really any way to predict how long we're going to be talking about it. Um, also, you're listening to a podcast that we're talking about Death Stranding and theory theories and things like that. So I should I should I should ask you what you're doing if you're listening. Your, to this your, and don't your, want your, uh, so your spoiler warning expired at the door. <laughs> yes. So uh, that being said, we are going to start talking about uh, the trailer now. Um, yeah. What the fuck, dude? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. We saw a. We actually get to see uh, Die Hardman's face, so that mask does come yeah. off. Um, well, so here's here's the thing: is like, does it come off, or is that a, a prequel? Is that a flashback? Oh, that could. So, yeah. do you, what if it, that's like from when the scene where you know uh, Cliff is running through bridges? I assume that's bridges with the yeah, BB at the beginning. Yeah, and maybe Cliff like caps. Die Hardman, and that's mm. why he has the mask. That's why he has to wear the mask. Could be. Oy. But I, yeah. um, Cliff Cliff escaping the facility at the beginning of this trailer actually kind of ties into a listener theory um, that we have in the to talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, so remember remember this part for that part of the theory. Yeah. Um, and then you can also hear what Cliff has been singing this entire time um, to BB in the tank, which is BB's theme. And it's like a little like nursery, like a not like a little like a lullaby about protecting mm-hmm. BB and things of that nature. So that's interesting, it's really, um, really endearing. Yeah, I'm really sad. At the same and time. Uh, very yeah, endearing and sad. Uh, uh, Cliff runs afoul of some uh, some guards, and he is sitting aiming a gun as he's bleeding, which is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cuts to some scenes of. Uh, just the area and then it cuts to this so it says these couple things in 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 text 
um, on the trailer, it says, um, a man who cut ties with the living Sam, that's living hyphen Sam, um, and then a young life bound to the dead BB, they must make us whole again and unite life and death. So that's already lots more questions. Yep. Does that mean? Does that mean that there's two Sams? Is one dead? There's two BBs. Well, like one's alive. Yeah, I mean, like there. I, I did see a prevalent theory that I'm starting to give a lot more credence to. That um, it's not, you know, the, like the whole chiral aspect doesn't just kind of apply to say like a network. You might have like a chiral devil you know, someone mm. else, you know, like your, your, the person that kind of overlaps you. Um, so there definitely could be a kind of other Sam. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember reading another theory too, that like Cliff is Sam. Mm-hmm. And like, what if Cliff is the dead Sam? Right. Or whatever. So there's right. a lot of stuff there as well. Um, then mentions that then there, there's a scene of Sam riding his motorcycle and Fragile's talking and she goes that, um, her dad told her that America was special, that the people were the glue that held it together and that it was more than a nation mm-hmm. and that if they could bring it, they could bring it all back if they kept making deliveries and connecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of flashes over to Higgs who rises from this like murky, like this ink on this platform and he like, he like motions to be quiet and then it flips over to die hard man and he's outside and he's aiming his gun at something yeah um, yeah and doesn't have the mask on or wait well no that's yeah that's, he has that's, the mask on that's when he has the mask on that one he, he doesn't have the mask on it uh, later on in the trailer yeah yeah um then there's a moment where bridget and emily say i'm waiting for you on the beach at the same time and they're kind of transposed over each other mm-hmm. um which is very interesting um, but then later on in the trailer, like not even like, um, not even a couple minutes later, um, Bridget tells Sam to help Amelie and that she needs him uh, like speaking as if she's a different person. So this whole connection between Bridget and Amelie is very confusing. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing is that I've been seeing a lot of people saying like, this is like really, this trailer was like really spoilery. And I'm like, how are you like, what spoilers are you really getting out of this? Right. Right. Uh, I'm, it's I'm just as confusing. Yeah, I've been <laughs> looking for everything in this game for the past few months, mm-hmm. and I still have a very, very, very loose understanding. <laughs> mm. um, um, after this, Dead Man sees a handprint on Sam's arm mm-hmm. um, and asks where he got it from and says, from a woman in a cave, I think, if I'm getting that right. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, uh, Dead Man says that it's, I, I didn't hear him entirely right, but he said it's, um, a venophosophobia, I think is what it's called. Uh, yeah, af, yeah, aphonphosophobia. Aphonphosophobia, yeah. Um, and then he apologizes to Sam and saying that I think it was Lou or Blue? Lou. Um, Lou, yeah, was yeah. going to be the name of Sam's baby if he had made it. And Sam says he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um. So I think the BB that Sam's had, Sam has dead men named him Lou, and that mm-hmm. was going to be Sam's child's name. Um, yeah. And uh, um, we well, the one thing we do have confirmed by that 
aphanophobia is that the whole theory that Sam has a phobia of being touched is mm. confirmed. Yeah. Which then later, like way late, like at the end of the trailer, um, uh, Fragile mentions that she has to touch him to do this, uh, um, to do this thing that she's going to do. Um, so that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a moment where Mama is laying on a table, and I think like a twin of hers is like embracing her, mm-hmm. and it almost feels. And they're both crying, and it almost feels like Mama's giving birth a little bit. Is what uh, it looks like. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very kind of like sterile, kind of like a sterile environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I was mostly just, confused. I was like, I was like, there's two of them now. Two more. Yeah, well, I mean, don't mind if I do. Oh. <laughs> You're gonna lose it, my man. I don't know. Um, well, Zach James will be happy now. That there's two of them, so he's he'll, we don't have to fight anymore. <laughs> you got you, you, one for each. um yeah what do you what do you what do you make of that i think it kind of goes back to that what i was talking about with this kind of theory that you know you have you have a kind of a chiral like double um you know someone maybe on the other side uh we already know that mama has a really kind of deep connection to you know uh the beach since she literally has a bt that is attached mm. to her at at least at some point, maybe the BT that is attached to her, uh, is this double. Who mm. knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, after this scene, there's another scene of uh, Hartman. He's gray, um, on the beach, but then this lady pokes him in the chest and turns him into color again. And you got to wonder, you, is that his wife? Is this the moment where he's dragged away from the group of people? I was just about to say that. I was like, what do you want to bet that's his wife? Yeah. And that was and that's why he's yelling so as he's being dragged away is because he, he saw her again. Yeah, he found her. And then um, she just, but then she had the power nope. to turn him colorful again as well to bring him quote, back to life, I guess. I suppose so. Or, <laughs> or you know, it's perfect timing that she touches him and then the his uh, heart monitor kind of goes off. Uh-huh. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah, uh, so that's interesting. Um, then the next thing you have clips of uh, Higgs punching the shit out of Sam without his hood on, mm-hmm. um, and then immediately this is the first time we've seen this in any any of the materials is Cliff in probably the, what looks like either the real world or the beach strangling Sam. So this is the first time they've interacted mm-hmm. in this material, the promotional material. It didn't, but it didn't. It looked like Cliff was. This is going to sound weird. It, it's not like he was angry. It wasn't like a like it, it looked like he was like kind of lamenting what he was doing. Mm. That was, maybe that's just a weird read for me because I just want that want that to happen. But it just didn't seem like there was like a crazy amount of malice that he was doing this. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. His 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 face seemed very like measured and. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you get a kind of a time lapse of, um, some medical staff and some characters. So dead man, heart man and die hard man in the oval office with Bridget as they're tending to her. 
Um, and as the people kind of fade away and walk away, there's a holographic fa- facade that fades away and that they're in a white room. So the Oval Office that we, we've seen is potentially a like a holographic chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as this is happening, Sam mentions that, that it wasn't much to leave because he was never welcome there. And Dead Man says that even I was welcome there. So, um, so Dead Man did something. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, which I, which makes me wonder if if like maybe Dead Man came from like like a different group. Like maybe he was in the group with the Homo Demons or and came came over or something like that. Or or he had something to do with like Cliff's people or something like that. Hmm. Um. Or or maybe it's just this this kind of like a narrative on um just like outsiders being included. Yeah. You know, even I was, you know, mm. um welcome. So if I was welcome then why wouldn't you be welcome? Exactly, exactly. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um Then there's a like a after this there's a there's a weird moment where Sam like slashes mama on the chest. And this like light flashes out of her, which is yeah, weird. yeah. I wonder if that's the double, maybe that he's maybe. because you know, like if if that if that's the case, you know, if if the whole like you know theory that the BT is Mama, and mm-hmm. this is Sam doing away with her, that will allow her to leave. So we mm-hmm. see that scene that we saw a long time ago where he's got her on his back. Hmm. Um, and then right after this, it flashes to Sam and Amelie hugging on the beach while the sun explodes behind them, which is wild. Yeah. They they talk about extinction-level um, events a lot, so... Yeah, they do. Um, which, uh, it shows the cast list, again, um, and it shows Cliff crying, and he seems very, like, regretful or remorseful, but he's wearing his, like, military gear, so mm-hmm. this is, like, post-beginning or post-like flashback Cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is where it shows Die Hard Man without his mask, and he look, hes crying. He looks like he's trying to lift something. Yeah, um, like he's, sure he's struggling. He's struggling somehow. Mm-hmm. And then right after this, uh, you hear a voiceover of Cliff and or uh, of Higgs, and he mentions there have been five extinction events caused by an extinction entity. Um, and that is time for number six. And then there's this like weird whale thing. Kind of looks like Sin from Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Um, so are we are we kind of under the assumption that those hovering beings are these things that he's talking about? These entities. Yeah. Maybe like a version of them. Yeah. Because you know there there are they five seem very important. You know, there there are five of them just kind of hovering up off, you know, above the beach. I'm just assuming, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Hideo doesn't show us things just to be like, ah, you know, it's it's just food for thought. Now he's like, there, yeah. there's an there's intent behind it. Yeah, I think, and I think you might be right. I think, yeah, I think you might be right. Um, like maybe they cause this extinction event in the real world and then they become whatever those things are in the beach and they're just kind of stranded. They're stranded right. there. Right. Um, I mean, and it would give the Homo demons a, I don't know, kind of a, a reason to, you know, be so, um, 
that's what I'm looking for. Uh, so dedicated to mm. wanting to, you know, bring about this, um, this extinction level event to become one mm. of these entities in that case. Yeah. 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 That's very interesting. And like, so you think like Higgs is trying to become one of these entities? Yeah, yeah, I think, or it's because I mean, it, there, there's a like we've talked about. There's a kind of weird culty religious aspect to what they're doing. They kind of, you know, they're mm-hmm. like military separatists. They're and they're referred to as zealots. Maybe I should have used the word zealous. I don't know, Duncan. That might have been smart. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's there's a religious aspect to it from what I've seen and. It would make sense that, you know, they hold these beings in, you know, the same regard that you would hold a deity. Um, mm. If they're able to create an extinction level event, I mean, what's to stop them from being considered a god? You know what I mean? Right. They yeah. are, And then the prospect of becoming a god would be, you know, or something to a godhood seems pretty along the lines of, you know cultish mm-hmm. so i could see that i could see that being yeah. the home of demons like main goal to become one yeah i can i can get behind that um all right what happens next that uh next after this sam tells deadman to take care of lou as he's and he hands this the bb with the gray shell over to um to uh deadman mm-hmm. and heartman and maybe mama's like double mm-hmm. um because she's dressed like the double from earlier. Um, look on. Um, and then Higgs shoots BB in a different scene, and BB seemingly dies, which if we listen to the uh, ESRB rating, um, I think that's confirmed to be a thing that happens. Right. Um, so it doesn't seem to be a fake out. Um, and then uh, it cuts to Sam plugging into BB, and then he falls into the water. And as he's in the water, you hear this voiceover from Amelie saying that um, she had no idea she was alive until he told her, and that being and that living is no different than being dead if you're all alone. Mm-hmm. And then she says that she's on their beach where she was born, and to come and find her. It's some big, big Silent Hill two <laughs> vibes. Yeah, coming very from this, very much so. Oh, completely yes. Um, um, and then it cuts to the title um and it says that uh higgs says that he's not the only one wearing a mask he mentioned he mentions boss man which i suppose is die hard man and that woman which i suppose is amelie Mm -hmm. and then says even you and then it cuts to him shoving one of those gold masks on the sam's face which is wild Um, lifts him up it's just crazy mm -hmm. yeah lifts him up by the by the jaw by the jaw Yeah, by the jaw, by the jaw, jaw bones, jaw bones. Just gets them right there. Lift them up by the jaw bone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's a while. I mean, and then you start seeing, you know, all the BTs like underneath Sam, mm-hmm. like reaching up for him. It's mm-hmm. a really, really a uh, harrowing moment right there. Yeah, very much so. And then from one harrowing moment to another, this is Alessio's favorite part of the trailer. Um, there's this voiceover where Amelie's talking about her real name that is dubbed over a very large version of her walking up to the beach. Yeah. 
Um, so Alessio's theme of wanting large women to step on him. Continues. <laughs> um, uh, and she mentions that her um, her real name is Amerigo after Amerigo Vespucci, um, who she says is the man who discovered the continent. And when Sam says, I thought that was Columbus, Amelie says uh, that Vespucci was full of it and lied and mentions that America is a lie. Ooh, spooky, Fucking scary. Deep, deep cuts. We're really a... Uh... Fucking... Fucking We're getting into it. <laughs> hashtag Amelie is a bad guy. She's not. You're losing this bet. She is. No. Yes. I don't think I am. I do not think I am. I think I think you are. I don't think I am. Anyway. Um, then this is the part we talked about earlier. Fragile mentions that she'll have to touch him for this um, after opening her umbrella. And she tells him to close his eyes and picture Amelie on her beach. And then a couple times ask if he loves her. And then... She, she goes, there it is, and her little spikes flare out, and then Boom. Sam gets zapped away. He just whooshes. He just disappears. Which, uh, he, he whooshes, which also lends like credence to the theory that tr- that Fragile is going to be like maybe your fast travel system or what have yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, the Fragile Express. Mm-hmm. You know. that, yeah. um, and then as the trailer ends, you hear a countdown, um, and Hartman says, oh, it's almost time. So I think that's like... Not only not only having to do with Hartman's like time, like his time in this world mm-hmm. being alive, but also like it's almost time for the game. Yep, uh, a little little cheeky little uh, double entendre there. there. Little double entendre, double entendre, double entendre. Yeah, that's uh, that's the trailer. Lots of uh, crazy stuff. Still no real answers. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a. So Alessio made a made a good point after I said this. I think without the rest of the materials leading up to this, mm-hmm. um, this wouldn't have been as exciting of a trailer. But, um, this trailer, um, I think was my most compelling piece of Death Stranding material. Yeah, I mean, they did a really fan- he did a really fantastic job. Um, kind of keeping this hype alive for as Mm -hmm. long as he has. And then this trailer was just like kind of the big nail in the coffin that we all needed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that is that, uh, Cole, Sam, you ready to talk about some topics? Let's get some topics, some death stranding topics, some death stranding topics, some off topic topics. We're doing a lot of stuff. Just doing some so, topical topics. <coughs> Just a few topical topics. Um, so <coughs> the first thing we have here is from our friend Alessio Summerfield. Um, he has a couple questions. Um, he says, number one, besides games as services and single games as hobbies, do you think the future holds more games like Death Stranding and The Last of Us? Absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just, it's inevitable. I think that we're just, I mean, you know, <laughs> art is constantly evolving and this is just part of the process. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, back in the day, you know, yeah, games, I think these like, these like very, very personal, like involved stories. Yeah. Games. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's their stories. They're, they're meant to be, you know, these kind of interactive narratives 
that kind of give you agency without really giving you full agency of the art form. Um, it's kind of like the author allowing you to fully experience the art. Um, yeah. I think that it does, we have more games like that. I don't think that every game, um, every you know big AAA title coming out will be mm-hmm. anything like you know Death Stranding or The Last of Us or these very heavy narrative driven games. Um, which I'm okay with. Like even like there's even been like a trend too, where like if you think about it, like even this even like more action oriented games like the God of War game that came out last year, like even that was mm-hmm. more of like a very personal story driven. It's very true as well. I think you're going to find, I think, I think you're going to find going forward that games are either going to be, we're still going to get these like very personal games like, like Last of Us and Death Stranding. But I think what you're going to find more of going forward are games like God of War that have this very personal narrative, but also have like a very bombastic, like entertaining, for lack of a better word, entertaining gameplay loop. Right. That are, that are easy to kind of. You know, latch onto and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it's like I'd struggle to say that. And there's another question that um, later on, I think from Alessio that that answered that asks this a little bit. But I think I struggle to call the gameplay loop of The Last of Us entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as a game, I think it is essential. Um, so, and, and I feel like that might be the case for Death Stranding too. It's like entertaining, maybe not as far as like core gameplay loops, but like for what you're doing and what you're experiencing and expressing even is more important and right. help drive the experience. Right. So, so yes and no, I don't think it'll be the core. Like, I don't think it's going to be like what developers say is the thing that has to be going forward, but I think you're going to find more games embracing that very personal story driven aspect of gaming in their like in their like quote exciting gameplay loops right right um he also asks uh, what are you most excited and least excited about about the release of death stranding um honestly i'm most excited about it just being here yeah (laughs) Like we've been hearing about it for so long and it's finally like it's finally coming in a couple of days and it's just it feels so insane to me that it's finally on its way. I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to see kind of what Kojima has done. Because I mean like like we've talked about before, this is a completely new IP, you know. Um with with all the Metal Gear games, we had somewhat of a basis going into them like okay, I know that it's gonna, it's it has to have this component. It's going to have this component. We have no idea with this. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I will be walking. I know yeah. that. That's all we know for sure. Um, um I'm least excited of while we're talking about walking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm least excited about the prospect of like essentially escort missions. Mm. Um, which is my least favorite thing in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, For good reason. Yeah. Um, the idea that, you know, and it doesn't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, you have to escort uh, mama. No, like the idea, you know, that literally everything you're doing is an escort. Mm-hmm. It seems like that we've seen. 
Because it's less like, because the thing of it is, too, it's like even like for the packages, because yes. you can lose the packages. Yes. And that's, that's, what you're, that's kind of what I think you're trying to say is that like yeah. inanimate objects become an escort mission in this world. They like. well, they they get damaged. Or is it raining? You better find shelter or you better waterproof mm. that, you know, it's that like, kind oh, of these, aspect. These, these bad guys, these mules want to take them away from oh, you, so you better not let them take them away from you. It's just like it, it brings up very... uh Resident Evil Four vibes, <laughs> PTSD. God, don't don't you don't you bring Ashley into this? Good God! Oh fuck! Help, help me, Leon! No, no, I'm 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 gonna tell I'm gonna tell the the president that it's just not worth it anymore. I'm just gonna stay in Spain. Mm-hmm. Damn Ashley to the depths of hell! Damn you! Absolutely, they should let, we, we should let the Las Plagas take you. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Um. This one is. Yeah, I, think, I think my answer is is the same. Honestly, I'm excited that it's here. Yes, I'm not excited that it's here because, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like it, it it has existed for so long as an idea, and I don't want my idea of it to be like dashed against the rocks. If we could use that biblical term we've been sure. talking about, and we'll also sure. we'll also bring it up a little bit later with one of our fan messages, but uh, um, messages, but. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that's, I, I say that, you know, that, you know, like, I'm, that, that kind of sounds jaded of me, but I, I am legitimately excited about playing the game, um, because mm-hmm. I haven't had a game that I've looked forward to for a long time, um, like I have looked forward to Death Stranding. So mm-hmm. that, that aspect is, it's important, but it's not at the same time. We've seen way we've seen ways that you can kind of mitigate that, um, but by that token, I'm I'm not a huge fan of like min maxing in video games or in games in mm-hmm. general. Um, I I rather you know just like to let the game kind of take me wherever it wants to take me, tell me the story it wants to mm-hmm. tell me, um, and so the you know this kind of optimization thing, which seems very, you know, uh like integral i'm not super excited about um Mm -hmm. but that's why i hope like the auto optimization is good right right but then you know at that time i'm like am i losing something by you know not being like okay well hold on let me let me think for a sec if i have you know this package on this arm i can probably swing a little faster if i need to you know get into a fight but that will weigh me like you know kind of weighing those options does sound like a really cool idea. Um, but it also mm-hmm. just sounds like a shit ton of work that I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. It gives me anxiety thinking about it. Yeah. So, um, um, Alessio also asks, <clears throat> having not ever covered a game while it is current, what difficulties or differences do you think the DS season of the show will hold? And I guess Cole, this is your first like game you're covering for the show. Yeah. So, um, so I'll let you, I'll let you answer here in a sec, but just like for me, I think Mm -hmm. the biggest issue is going to be, um, figuring out how to divide the game up on the fly, um, Mm -hmm. for the episodes, because before we've always, we, we've, you know, being as part of the show, we've played these, we played the Metal Gear games before. So we kind of knew like, okay, where's a good point to stop for X episode, but like for Death Stranding, all we know is that it's going to be maybe around like 50 hours and we don't really know like, well, where's a good narrative point to stop at what's going on here. Um, so I think that's going to be the most difficult thing for me personally. 
That's honestly what I was kind of thinking was, you know, we don't have chapters to kind of break this up. It's kind of like, hey, play as much as you can. Uh, and then mm-hmm. we'll talk about where we got um, and then go from there. I think as well for me, just for being the first time I'm covering a game, um, is completing the game and completing it to a point where I have some kind of authority to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I have a firm enough understanding on what all is going on. Did I miss something? Am I, you know, noticing all the small little tidbits that kind of make the game interesting? Um, mm-hmm. So being able to really sink my teeth into a game while at the same time trying to be as... um I guess thorough thorough as possible. Yeah. And I think that's something that's a difficulty that we have just in general with the rest of the games too, is just like the idea that you're playing this game, but you have to stop every couple of minutes to take a note to make sure that everything you are doing is like documented and you know, you know, okay, at this point I need to talk about this. Here's this. We're going to go right. by beat for this and things like that. Things of that nature. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it, <laughs> I, I hate kind of saying this about, you know, we, we I don't know if we, could, if we would have been even been able to like been eligible to get it. um But like review copies, you know, mm. being able to li- literally just getting the game maybe a couple like a week ahead of the actual release, being able to like play through it so you can actually, you know, understand the story and then playing through it again. So you can, you know, actually, mm. you're not, we're not having to worry about, you know, setting up, you know, okay, you play for this long and then we'll figure it out. But being able to, you know, kind of take your time in that second playthrough to actually take checkpoints, um, yeah. do all the kind of small nitty gritty things like, oh, look, you can, if you, if you go over here, you can find Jordan Voigt Roberts and as a, uh, <laughs> you know, as one of these survivors and there's Jeff Keeley over there. And I don't know. Suda 51 is in this other one. I don't know if Suda 51's in the game. Here's I'm Conan just, O'Brien over here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like those kind of small things I think would be cool that we could get in a second playthrough. But unfortunately mm. we will, we'll just have the one. Um, I'd like to revisit it uh, sometime in the future, you know, actually, you know, kind of going in and like looking for Easter eggs and looking for deeper meanings that we wouldn't get in through a first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that actually kind of leads into Adam Bradbury's question, which is well, he has a couple of questions, but so we're sure. going to take. Hey, Adam, to thanks, man. Yeah, um, Adam says, do you think there will be fourth wall breaks in Death Stranding or nods to Ko- Kojima's other games, or characters talking about game instructions like press the action button to unzip and make a mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> and I think absolutely there will. Be. Oh, yeah. I think the fact that that uh, Kojima is like cloning his friends and putting them into this video game is already evidence enough that there's going to be a lot of like, I will put the fact that I put, I will put solid money down that Kojima is literally in the game again. Oh yeah. He's gotta be. I mean, I mean, that's just the four when we've seen fourth wall breaks just in like the trailers, you know, Norman Reedus kind of, you know, punching the camera, um, Mm-hmm. The literal fact that Kojima like Productions ride with Norman Reedus being an advertisement in this video game. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Kojima Productions being plastered on the side of um, bunkers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Kojima is notorious for this kind of thing by, you know, yeah. doing fourth wall breaks. Um, and then the whole idea that, you know, the game is all about connecting people. Mm-hmm. There's an easy way to do that uh, for fourth wall breaks. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think there'll be a Metal Gear. I don't think there'll be that many Metal Gear nods, though, unfortunately. No, I don't think so. I think I think anything any Metal Gear nods that will be in the game are going to be very, very subtle to, as if to almost miss them. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think he wants to risk any legal trouble. I mean, like... Me. I mean, Alessia noticed this, and so you know, in um, you know, like Hartman's uh, library, you know, there's you know just just a box. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it'd be something like that. We, we might see maybe you know like a police knots or like a snatcher reference here or there. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, I don't Here's think there's a theory. Really... All right, giant Amelie is a Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear Amelie oh. Nuclear Strike Extinction Event Launch uh, Will there be a Mario joke about the mushrooms? I would love that but I feel I like Nintendo, uh, <laughs> Nintendo would be all over that but to oh, yeah. uh to, oh, yeah. to follow that up, he says, I think we can take the mushrooms as a confirmed for Death Stranding coming to the Nintendo Switch. There's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> and he throws that in there with a little winky face, so very tongue in cheek. I love it. I love it. I just want to I just want to like play as like Sam with a like Luigi or a Waluigi hat on. Just yeah. ru- just oh, running yeah. through the UCA. Wal- Waluigi time. Just waha. I can re- with my voice like this. I can really do the Waluigi voice better than ever. <laughs> that is really good, actually. Waluigi number one. <laughs> um, I with the characters talking about in-game instructions. Um, yeah, I I mean, I, Kojima has done that with you know the past. You know, like all you know, Metal Gear Solid. You know, boss, press the mm-hmm. circle button to da 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 da. Um, I don't really consider that fourth wall breaking, though, honestly. No, I don't think so. I guess, secondly, I guess you can consider a fourth wall break anything that, like, takes you out of the experience and acknowledges the real world. Sure, when the, when the game so, becomes so, aware of itself, to an extent. Yeah, so very technically, I think that that is, an, is a fourth wall break, but... Um, I mean, I yeah, but it's a kind of a cool way to introduce instructions, and... I don't know. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't care either way. I'm yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you, Adam. If I uh, hope we answered that. <laughs> uh, we got some questions here from Jerry the dog. Yeah, Jerry the dog. He's my actually my favorite listener. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, everybody else. Jerry the dog. Jerry the dog. Um, uh, <laughs> do you guys think there will be a dog in Death Stranding, and uh, do you think we'll be able to pet it? Uh, actually, Sam, uh, that, that it reads, uh, do you think there will be a dog in Death Standing? Oh, it does say that. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Jerry the dog. Wink. <laughs> you know who you are. Made that typo. Um, I hope so. Yes. Because there should be a dog in every video game, and uh, if there is a mm-hmm. dog, I better be able to pet it, or I will be able to pet it. 
I, I will return the game and I'm leaving the podcast. Yep. Yeah. I'm ending the podcast. Yeah. That'll be it. (laughs) Now, so here's the the thing. If there's not a dog in the game, fair play. But if there is a dog and you can't pet it, that's where that's that's where the problem's gonna come in. Uh yeah, we're we're done. Always be able to pet the dog. Wrap it up. Uh we stand being able to pet a dog in a video game. Absolutely, we stand being able to pet pet the dog. And we also stand Jerry the dog. Yes, we do. We stand Jerry the dog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's some of, of that we're we, we've got some off-topic questions if you yeah. uh, if you'd like to get into those sure i'm down um so we'll start at the top with another couple of uh, questions from alessio where alessio wants to know do either of you guys ever find yourself returning to a game or playing a specific game as a grieving depression or comfort ritual absolutely absolutely um, what's uh, what's yours? So I got three. I okay. I will play either um, The Witcher, like Witcher three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll play Monster Hunter, any of them. Uh, or I will play Metal Gear Solid four. Mm-hmm. Um, because four, yeah, four. Um, because they uh they bring me back uh to a time uh when my best friend was still alive. And mm. these were these three games. Uh, we, you know, with Metal Gear Solid Four, we literally sat in his room. Um, we went and got to the we went to the midnight release, picked it up, and we literally sat in his room and played it until you know three or four o'clock the next day and beat it. And like, it was just it was a really cool memory uh, that I always have. And, you know, we were both like teared up when at that final scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Monster Hunter because we had played it all our lives as kids. Um, even up until like adulthood when we were like living together, we would like go sit in the living room and just play Monster Hunter together. And then he's the one who introduced me to The Witcher, and we would go back and forth about you know like Witcher lore and all that. So it's it's kind of a way for me to, whenever I get sad. Um, it's kind of a way for me to go back to those times that I had. Uh, just to kind of decompress a little bit kind of reminds me of them mm-hmm. about you I understand so the, so the weirdest thing about about me is that as much as i love video games i don't usually turn to them in times of like distress or like depression <clears throat> i actually find that i actually find that like they overwhelm me a little bit more than because i have to like put myself into them mm-hmm. and so i find that it overwhelms me in those moments more than it helps and so i usually turn to like movies or tv because it's just like it's a single track thing and i can just focus on it and not have to worry about anything else um it's so like i'll watch scott pilgrim versus the world for the umpteenth time or i'll find a comedy special on netflix or something and watch that like i'll watch things as opposed to playing them right I can see that. I can see that being good. Kind of like lets you decompress, not have to worry about yeah. anything. You just kind of enjoy. Yeah, because it's like, you know, there's a lot of thinking involved in playing games, like by design. And I just like, if I'm in that kind of state, I just don't like having to think a lot. I understand that. I suppose for so me, I it's that I, I like to distract myself. Yeah. If I can, I if I can force kind of my brain to think about something else, I will. 
Mm. I think the way that my brain works is that it just gets overloaded really easily. So if I'm thinking about one thing and then I try to replace it with something else and I don't like my brain doesn't want to forget the other thing, like it freaks out. Right. And so it's nice to just be able to not have to think about inputs and what have you. Uh, yeah, no, I get that. Um, he, Alessio follows up with, do video games have to be fun? No, no, <laughs> no, no, they don't. I don't think they do. <laughs> we, we had this discussion in the page or the discord, um, a while back, but I think fun and engaging are two different things Absolutely. and they often are tied together, but they don't have to be. So like I'd argue the last of us is not a fun video game. It's not. Do I think it is? <laughs> no. Do I think it is an engaging and essential video game? Absolutely. Do I think it it's is fun? the road no, to the a, video game? Yeah. As a matter of fact, last of us is one of my favorite video games of all time. I've Same. only ever played it once Same. because it's so heavy. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I was going like, to I'll say, probably play it again before Last of Us 2 comes out. Thankfully, that got pushed out again. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy about that. I need more time. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I have no like desire to just go back and play it for fun, you know, as opposed to something else. But no, same here. Um, I was going to say like video games like Firewatch. Firewatch mm-hmm. is objectively not a fun game. You don't do mm-hmm. a lot in it. But it is a fantastic game. It's a fantastic experience to just kind of be in it. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I don't think video games have to be fun at all. I, I think you can. And then in- you think about like all of those horror games where you're like all you have on you is a camera and a flashlight, and that's your that's yeah. your, those are your tools. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't call those fun, but I would call those engaging. No, uh, or if that's uh, for you, you know, or like the. Uh, uh, the Long Night, you know these kind of like like we're like, mm. talking like like survival games. Like I don't consider survival games fun. No, uh, they're stressing. They're stressful and hectic as shit. Yeah, but they're they're extremely engaging and they kind of keep you mm-hmm. you know locked in. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to a game like I don't know like Super Mario Brothers, like 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 uh mm-hmm. like Odyssey or um, uh, Smash Bros or stuff like that. Those are fun mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Um, but, and I, and I don't need like my video game to be like an art house, like, like an art house film in video game format for it to not be fun. It's like what we're talking about where mm-hmm. it, if it's, if it puts you in a different state, I I consider it doing its job. Mm-hmm. Or like, even if you think about like, like a game like Spec Ops The Line, which I think is another f- example of a phenomenal, phenomenal, like story driven experience, like the gameplay itself is just a very standard fare military shooter, which mm-hmm. like at that point in time was just another, you know, it was, it, if you weren't paying attention to the story, it was just another in a long line. And I would argue that after a certain point, those stopped being fun as well. Absolutely. Um, but because of the story, like it drives you and it's another, that's another one that I have no desire to play again. Like last of us, where the story is so powerful and engaging, but it's just so heavy and so yeah. I think that, yeah, so I don't think the games have to be fun. I think the games definitely have to be engaging for them to for them to be worth it. Yeah. But I don't um, think they have to be fun. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, the, the literal point of the game of a game is to, you know, 
have you pick up the controller. If there's no incentive for me to do so, then the game has failed in its ultimate job. You know, like um, mm. stuff, you know, like some people might argue that, like, you know, like the Soulsborne games mm-hmm. uh, don't incentivize you to pick up the controller just because it beats you down so much. But to me, that's a. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Those games aren't fun. I'll just say that right now. Yeah. They make me angry. I I've thrown controllers across the room so mad. <laughs> um kind of anger, you know, like like 14-year-old like edgelord kind of anger from like Bloodborne. But I love yeah. those games. They're not fun, yeah. but they're extremely engaging. I love the lore. Um so no, yeah, long story <laughs> short no video games do not have to be fun at all mm. indeed um adam guard good friend um asks uh with all the hype and build that always surrounds the release of a kojima game i'm wondering which are the top games you have been extremely excited for in the past and did they live up to the hype mm. thank you adam all right i'm gonna i'm gonna <coughs> excuse me Yep. I'm going to round off here by saying um, uh, very recently, Kingdom Hearts 3 oh, was yeah. huge for me. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 is one of those games that rivals Metal Gear's, like my favorite series of all time. Um, and, you know, the answer to that question changes day by day, but like it, generally speaking, like mm-hmm. it's one of my top two. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 was coming out, and this is a game that I waited like almost 10 years for. Like it's been yeah. a long time since 2 came out, and they have all these like side games, but like it's even since the DS game, the last like actual entry in the series, like it had been like six something years, six or seven years. And so they announced the date and they announced everything around the game, and I was just like, holy shit, and I was so hyped for it. Um, and I guess the answer to that question, uh, what did it live up to the hype was yes and no. Because I loved Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, it's one of my top 10. Like, it's one of my games of the year. Um, I love that game so much. But, like, if I'm looking at it from, like, a very, like, specific, like, did it answer the questions that I wanted to answer? Did it tie up the ties that I wanted to tie up? The answer is no. Like, it didn't do a lot of stuff. But I think it did. It did. It did what I needed it to do for it to be a, a game that I loved. But it didn't mm-hmm. do enough to, like, be a suitable end point, quote, for the series. I hate that's that. my big answer. I hate that for. I mean, like, yeah, I, and I, it's I, very I, obvious. Like, three isn't the end of the series. Like, they're doing more Kingdom Hearts, and it, it just like and the storyline, whether are or not, even more with, convoluted. Like, yeah, exactly. So, like, <laughs> that's the reason why it didn't tie up so nicely is because they want to do more. But like, it almost feels like, well, if you had tied up the story nicely, then you could have gone on to do more and just like started from scratch and maybe yeah. made your game less convoluted going forward. Like that could have been a thing as well, but yeah. they, didn't, they didn't. So, uh, I got a couple. Um, yeah, the one that did live up to the hype was Skyrim. Uh, mm. I was in college when it came out, and I remember, uh, you know, you know, because I loved Oblivion, and so mm. when Skyrim's coming out, it was like me and my like teammate at the time were both really excited about it we went to the midnight release we got it we stayed up all night playing it um and i loved it i still love it to this day i've got you know the enhanced edition here in the house um Mm. 
and it's just because I'm a big nerd and love, you know, fantasy RPGs. Although, real talk, don't give Bethesda your money anymore. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Bethesda is just a terrible, terrible company now. Yeah. Um, the game that kind of lived up to the hype, and I'm sure I'm pandering here, but was Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm. Um, it's like it gave me the gameplay I wanted, but you know, obviously the story was very much lacking. Yeah. Um. Then the game that super let me down was fucking No Man's Sky. No, oh, I man. was No Man's Sky, dude. Furious. I mm. was absolutely like I was like, oh man, when's it gonna get good? I know it's gonna get good at some point. Why isn't it getting good? And then I got to the <laughs> center of the universe, and they're like, "Bet, uh, check it out." Uh, good job. You spent a couple hours do- grinding to get here. Um, fuck you. We're gonna <laughs> shoot you to the end to the end of the galaxy and wreck your ship. Have fun. No, I hated that game. Yeah. I absolutely despise that game. I've tried to go back and play like after all these updates that people say make it better, and I just can't get into it. I like, refuse to. So, no, I've got a bad taste in my mouth. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I've tried. It's just, it's just not. I don't know. Like, I think there's a like it. It should be one of those games that's just easy to play and just zen out to, but it's not. Like, I don't sure. know what it is about it. Like, I can't get into it. It's just boring to me. Well, it's like they're try. They were trying to do like Minecraft in space, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I'm. I'm. Ex- the the one game that I'm hoping doesn't end up like that for me again is obviously Death Stranding, but um, mm-hmm. Cyberpunk. 2020 uh cyberpunk uh, 2077 mm, cyberpunk, man i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm hoping so hard for cyberpunk and i you know because i love cd, CD project red uh like cyberpunk stuff is my favorite kind of you know fantasy genre um it's got keanu reeves in it how could it be bad that's what i'm also saying you know because i love keanu he's my boy mm. Uh, speaking of Bethesda, really quick, one game that I was really hyped for that did not live up to the hype was uh, Fallout 4. Yeah. Yeah, that one was... I can't... Like, Fallout 4 was just not great to me. Like, I, I wish that I liked it. I couldn't get into it. It's not a great pick. It's not a great game. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely wasn't what we should have got, I guess. Right. Um, it just didn't capture the spirit of, like, the other ones. Like, we had this... We had, we had an argument... Um, we had an argument with uh, a <laughs> about whether or not three or New Vegas is better, and you know you can have your opinion about which one is which and which one you like better. But the thing that we can agree on is that both of them are way better than four, and that four did not capture the 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 energy of either of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it just didn't. I mean, it just felt it felt hollow. I mean, that's the thing with four. I mean, I I didn't. I didn't feel a strong attachment to any side that I was, you know, joining. Um, I didn't feel like what I would did really mattered in four, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that sucks, and I hate that. Yeah. Um, but what do you, what do you what are you gonna do? Uh, you want to know a really a weird inverse to this question since you mentioned Skyrim? What's is, up? Um, <clears throat> uh. I really like Skyrim a lot, kind of like mm-hmm. you did. Um, but I was not hyped for it at all because I didn't. I, I didn't really. I'm on the record as being somebody who didn't really dig Oblivion much. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I can't, I couldn't explain to you why, but I just didn't really dig Oblivion. And so I picked up, uh, Skyrim on a, on a risk and I really love Skyrim. So, so that's the, I mean, uh, that's my inverse to that question. Oh, uh, game that had zero hype that blew my mind, uh, was no more heroes. Mm. I, I, I literally, we, it was my, me and my friend, uh, Hester, were going through Blockbuster because that was still a thing. And because uh, I just got a Wii and found, you know, just saw it on the uh, the rack. And I was like, there's a dude with aviator sunglasses, red leather jacket, and a lightsaber. What is this fucking game about? <laughs> um, and then we got it. And then I was like, dude, this is literally one of the coolest games I've ever played in my entire life. Um, so we're going to move on to Chris Hampton's questions, but I want to answer his first question last since it's going to be the lengthiest one, I think. Yeah. So his first cash, his first question in all caps, have y'all watched Twin Peaks yet? Yeah, boy. I watched it with you. You were on my couch and we watched season three together and it was a really awesome (laughs) day. Have you watched Twin Peaks yet? Not yet. Sam. I've been meaning to. I know. Sandal, what is wrong with you, Bobby? <laughs> I know. They're on Netflix. I need to watch them. I just haven't. It's legit my... I think it's me, uh, Chris, and Alessio's favorite uh, TV show. I, I, mm. I'm pretty sure of all time. And for anyone else out there who has not watched Twin Peaks, watch it. It's fantastic. I'll watch it eventually. I'm here for it. I just haven't had a chance. It's Kyle so. McLaughlin, Sam. I know. He wears Uggs. He does wear Uggs. And he looks good in them. <laughs> we stand an Ugg Kyle boot. McLaughlin Kyle wears Uggs and he looks good in them. That's a, that's, that should that's be our a, new. That should be the title of a of a Twin Peaks podcast. podcast. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin wears Uggs and he looks good in them. D- Diane, it's 108 um, p.m. and Kyle McLaughlin wears Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> he looks fucking good at good him. Good at him. <laughs> um, Chris also asks, uh, what makes a good video game OST? Original soundtrack? Mm. Um, um, I think it has to serve the game, right? Absolutely. Um, it's got to, it has to kind of evoke, um, the feeling of the game um, and the actual, like, whether it be lyrics or uh, just the music itself. Oh, it, it has to make, I, I think a good OST makes me feel the same way that I felt when I was playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. Like Metal Gear Solid 3's OST. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! There's like a surf. chef kiss. Mm, 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 mm. It's a spicy meatball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a there's one track. It's just the do 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 do. But it's done in this kind of like old school like surf, uh, surf rock style yeah, with like the guitar, like the yeah. Oh my God! Like the acoustic. I, yeah, so I feel good. like the biggest badass walking literally anywhere while that's playing in my earbuds 
just walking into a, walking into a store, just I'm like, oh yeah, what's up? What's up? There's like this weird like Spanish like <laughs> like castanets in the background, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I love this. Um, but yeah, it's it has to make me feel the way that I felt while playing the game. To kind of tie it into Death Stranding a little bit, I um I'm worried about the OST for Death Stranding. Not not necessarily the songs on it because so far the songs on it have been really good. Yeah. Um. I just wonder if it's going to fit the tone and fit the fit like how I feel about Death Stranding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what I I, I kind of thought I've been thinking about the OST for Death Stranding um, in a weird way. You know, they still haven't put out that Bring Me the Horizon song. Yeah, well, me too. Aside from that, <laughs> um, you know what it kind of reminds me of? So, uh, like a playlist that you would make for someone going on a road trip. Mm, it's yeah. kind of an, it's yeah, an eclectic yeah. mix. Um, it's not just one genre. Um, it's kind of all over the place. You got Major Laser, and you got Bring Me the Horizon, mm. and you got Ara, who I am now a big fan of because I love her yes. voice. Oh my god! Um, and you have Kasabian, and it's just you know, yeah. it's a like all those bands do not fit together, but. They no. do if you're making someone a um, a playlist. Perhaps someone who's walking across the country. Mayhaps, mayhaps. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll see about that. Maybe it'll fit in a different way, but we'll see. We'll see how that flows as uh, as time goes on. Um, last question mm. from Chris. I hope you got your list ready, Cole. Um, I do but i think what i have, have more than 10 if, okay well i have way more than 10 I'll okay do like a cool. little like uh yeah yeah so we'll do our top 10 and then we'll kind of list our like honorable mentions um but i have way more than 10 um uh what are your top 10 games of the past decade uh, so here's how i think we'll play this is we'll start with 10 we'll both say our game and then we'll move to nine and so on and so forth Okay, mine, I'll tell you, are in no particular order because I couldn't, like, I couldn't just say okay. this is my top. <laughs> I think I've got, it's tied. My my top is tied. Okay. So I'll say those. I've got last. mine in a specific a specific order, but um, it's sure. fine. So we'll just start. We'll, so we'll, I'll say number 10. You'll know that I'm starting with an actual number 10 and Cole's just saying a game. Yeah. So, number 10. For me, it's Kingdom Hearts 3. Love that game. Um, just didn't do enough, I think, to like really make it the end of an era for me. And so that's why it's so far down. Right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, if I'm going to make a number 10, I'm going to say Journey. Because I mm. love that game. A lot of the games that I've talked about earlier are in this list just because they I do hold them so near and dear. Um, mm-hmm. Journey was just a weird game that I picked up when I was still living in Athens. And mm-hmm. I had no idea about it. And I started playing it. I had no idea what was going on with it. And then I realized that I was like really alone. And that was a weird thing for me. And then I got my first like ping from somebody and I realized, Oh my God, you know, like I can, I can, 
I can interact with somebody. And then me and this guy mm. literally played the entire rest of the game together because I couldn't we I couldn't find anyone else. And so me and him just ran it. It was just a really, really cool experience for me. Mm. I like that. Number nine for me is Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, that's all my honorable mention. Yeah. I spent so much time playing Grand Theft Auto Five, man. Like it was so good. It's it was well, one of the first games that I had for my PS4 as well because they had that remaster that came out. Um, oh yeah, and so I played it so much. I played it all the time. It was you can do so. You can literally just lose yourself in that game and just play for oh, hours yeah. and hours. Just, just keep doing different shit. Yeah, exactly, and I love that so much. I think the one thing I will say about it is that I wish there were more heists in the in the story, um, and I wish that they would have focused on more like story content. But they were so they got all their money with the multiplayer, so they never really did. Um, that's a little bit disappointing, but you know, yeah. that works for me. Um, what you got? Number nine, is Fable Three. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Don't care what anyone has to say. I fucking loved Fable 3. Wow. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, How very brave of you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, the hero. I'm, and- I'm the hero that this podcast really needed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I loved Fable 2, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed Fable 3. I, I like I like games that have a good balance of like, you know, like whimsy and um, seriousness. And that did it for me. You know, it was just it was goofy, mm-hmm. but it was it you know dealt with some kind of dark subjects. Um, I liked the idea of I just like all everything you could do, you know, like really, you know, if you wanted to focus more on magic, you could do that. If you wanted to focus more on gunplay, that's a thing as well. Are you going to be a tyrant? Are you going to be a benevolent king, you know, or queen? I'm not, you know, they, that was mm. a cool option that you had in there. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I I understand why people did not like it, uh, but those people uh, are just as entitled to their wrong opinion as I am to mine. Yikes! Yikes! Big yikes! I loved it. I give I that hope- seven yikes out of ten. That well, statement. I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna give it a. Give it as many yikes as you want. It's uh, <laughs> spooky season's over. Finally, we 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 done we done with yikes in the yard. Yikes in the yard, baby. No, we're never done with yikes in the yard. <laughs> never. What's your right, number right there, eight? Uh, is uh, Telltale's The Walking Dead, the original season? See, I have a Telltale in here on my my honorables, yeah. but it's not that one. Okay. So why did you what what was it about the the Walking Dead series that you loved? It was a story, man. Again, yeah. that like that like, you know, Telltale Games, it's an adventure game, it's a point and click game. It's just nothing nothing too crazy or special about like about mm-hmm. like you know, that kind of deal. But it was the first it was like the first time in a long time like it was kind of like the revival of that genre, right? Cuz it like yeah, it came out at a time where like that genre was just kind of like dying or dead, you know. Mm-hmm. And it came out, and it was just this really great story. Um, again, like very personal, important story. Um, and it was like this revival of this this genre. So the gameplay wasn't like 
just like you know mind-blowing or, or crazy different it was like it was like oh wow i'm playing this style of game again and i get a really cool story yeah hell yeah and it was also it also came out at a time when walking dead the show was still good yeah that's a good point so yeah um yeah i will say i, lo- I loved i loved uh what telltale has done for like that kind of uh genre because I, I do like the because it's it's a casual kind of game. It's, you know, you can kind of pick it up wherever, um, mm-hmm. and you don't have to invest a ton into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. My number eight is Firewatch. Um, mm. It's another one of those games I just kind of found, and I I really really loved. It's like a character study. Um, it's. And it came to me in a really kind of pivotal part of my life. It talks about some really kind of intense, it, it delves into some pretty intense, you know, issues, you know, with like, you know, uh, mental health and um, anxiety and, you know, kind of paranoia to an extent. Um, and I just, I, I, I love the story. Uh, you know, I, I love the, uh, the kind of the not knowing um, in mm. that game, just the the absolute unknown of it all, which is really really cool to me. I like that. All right, number seven for me mm-hmm. is Near Automata. I'm not gotten around to play it yet. It's very good. It is a very good game. I think Alessio. I think Alessio might put it higher up than I did, but I, I think he'd also he would agree that it belongs on a top ten list. I would say, um, it's just so interesting. Like the story, I love like, I love that the fact that you play it and then you go back and you play it again and it's different and like that's how you get the complete story. Like it's just the story is so interesting, and the way that it works, like the way, like everything about it is just really interesting. So. And I love the gameplay too. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard that it's just an incredible, incredible game, and like the yeah. storyline. I mean, it, it's it's kind of got that like kind of like cyberpunk aesthetic once again, which is why I would guarantee. Yeah, I'd the love atmosphere it. is so incredible. There's um one like I will never be able to forget. There's there's this one place in near Automata that is like a abandoned like carnival. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere of this place is just so haunting and amazing, and I will never be able to forget it as long as I live. It's because that's any the first time I like. <laughs> well, like I guess, but like, like you need, like you have to play it to like understand what I'm saying. Like it's just so I like I feel you. Like the music and the air, like the atmosphere, like everything works so well together. It's so good. Nice, nice. Yeah. Number seven, cool. I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blaze through this one. Skyrim, obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, we talked about lasted a decade. Still great. Yep. Big nerd. Yep. What's your number six? Yep. <laughs> uh, my number six is Life is Strange, the original Life is Strange. My, um, my I've got friends again, who swear by it. It's such a good game, man. It's just like it's so. It's another one of those games like. Walking Dead, where it's like one of those adventure games, and like the gameplay itself isn't anything to write home to, but it adds a twist to it with like the, like the time mechanics that it adds to it. Um, mm. And it's such like a great like it's such like a well, so it's like a crazy mystery all wrapped up in this like coming of age like teen drama, and that's so my jam, dude. Right. 
It's like my entire jam. This is the whole the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, just like the entire jar of Smucker's jam. Is, that's what it is. <laughs> um, so definitely, Life is Strange. Life. I'm, I'm playing through Life is Strange two right now, and that game will also be have been. Like, I really love it, but I don't know if it's it's anywhere close to as high. As it's not as it's me. not as not in your your top yet. No, it's um. It has a lot of like elements that are a bit more personal to me. Like the like episode four of Life is Strange two. Like I had it. To, like I started crying while I was playing it because I, like it hit me really in a really personal place. But um, I love games like that. But uh, yeah. But uh, but overall, I think I really I enjoyed Life is Strange one more. We got one more episode of two though, so it might blow me away. You know. <laughs> Uh, my number six okay. is Red Dead. Oh, okay. The original? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, uh, it's gonna be it's it's going to be uh the second one. I I had a I had a tough time deciding between Red Dead Redemption or Red Dead Redemption Two, and I just think the the world of Red Dead Redemption Two does it for me better than mm. the original Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fun. It's, I can kind of, I can lose myself in that world. I literally have taken days where I just fished and played poker for like mm. a solid four hours just to mm-hmm. kick it, you know? Um, it's so expansive. It's the online is a lot of, is a lot of fun. If you have friends, that is, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. A very just, important distinction. I just uh I like a root and toot and shoot 'em up. Well, for me, my number five, Cole. Yes. Is the original Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Look at him. Um. I so okay so my my answers for why are the same as yours for two except flip it over to one. Gotcha. Um. I uh, I don't know what it is about two. I just cannot get into it. And I've watched my roommate play it some. And I think the story is great, but it's like for some reason the gameplay doesn't speak to me as much as the first one did. Yeah. And I, 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 I reckon, I reckon, they're pretty similar. Hail. So I don't know if it just like I don't know if the first one just came to me in a place where like that was the kind of game I needed right. or what. But I don't know. I just can't get into two at all. Um. Um. Also, but like the I played the hell out of Red Dead Red Dead Redemption, just the original. Oh yeah, I did too. Um. And some spoilers for one and two here, but like, I think that, you know, Red Dead 2 tried it, but I think the, I think the act of your main character dying and then you playing as a surprise character at the end, I feel like it was a much more powerful thing in one. Oh, absolutely. Spoiler alert for a game that's what, 10 years old at this point? Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I said spoilers for two as well because two two is more recent. But yeah, but like, for for you know one Arthur 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 dying was a big emotional thing. But I think like you knew it was coming, and then you also knew that like oh they're gonna pull a one and you're gonna have to play as probably John, and then there is. Yeah. But then like with John, but like though. John John dying like. You'd like to say that it came out of nowhere, but like it, no, oh, it almost them, makes sense. They did them dirty. That was just the yeah. They did do them. They did do them dirty. But like that it makes sense that that's how it would happen. But like you're not expecting it, right? No, not at and all. And then you play as and 
and then you play as Jack and you get your get revenge for him, and that's like the you whole absolutely like whole thing. just murk all of them. Oh and it's yeah, so, and it's so, so like, rewarding. I, yeah, and it's just so good. Like the way that it's done is so good. I think John Marston stands as like one of my favorite like video game characters of all time. Yeah, just like that kind of uh, so. the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the the bandit with a heart of gold kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, this is a weird one, so don't get mad. <laughs> for number five, yeah. Okay. Uh, La Noir. I loved La Noir. I still love. Oh the game. no, I don't begrudge anybody La Noir. I liked La Noir a lot. I still play it to this day. <laughs> mm. I just I like going. I like going back. I like it's 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 one of those kind of like relaxing games. Um. Mm. Tell me, you like to touch kids, do you? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was just getting getting after, like you know, uh, <laughs> like a perp or something like that. I, I love the soundtrack, um, and also it feels like the game is talking to me because the main character has the same name as me. <laughs> yeah, Cole. Well, except for at the end when you play as that one guy and exactly. they do a lot of weird stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, Eleanor is really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was just a really cool story. Um, it was Rockstar kind of going in a different direction, which I always appreciate from a game studio as well. When you ever get a chance, read up on like the drama, like with Team Bondi during the okay. game. It's very okay. interesting. I'll check it out. Um, yeah. All right, number four for me, mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's Mass a good Effect one. Two was, I think, the the perfect balance between the gameplay of one and three, because mm-hmm. I think one was very like clunky in a in a way, mm-hmm. and I think three was too actiony in a way, mm-hmm. and I think two was a very good balance between them. Um, it has some of my favorite characters in the entire series. Morton Solis, R.I.P. R.I.P. King, absolutely. Kill- they killed my boy in three. They killed Fane in three. Yep. Which they shouldn't have done. They uh um Legion is all time top up there. Um and then they they bring the favorites from one back and they give them more depth. So like Tali, my one true mm-hmm. love. Um they bring in Miranda and her butt. There's a lot of stuff. Miranda stuff and her there. butt. <laughs> yeah. Jack is a very compelling character. There's a lot of like really good stuff about too. Yeah, um, I love to. The suicide mission is super great. I think like the last mission, yeah, is just wonderful. I think like everything about two is just like my perfect Mass Effect game. It was really good. It was really and, really good. Purple and don't get me wrong, I liked three. I yeah. liked three, but they did a lot of stuff with the story. You know, uh, that was a little weird. And I think, like I said, I think the gameplay is a little too actiony. Um, I get people's um, grievances with three, especially the ending. But yeah, three was a fantastic I'm not like, game. I'm not like here, like calling for blood about the ending. Like I was fine with the ending, but like I was like, ah, oh, could have been. I'm else. like, yeah, well, you know, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my number four, Mass Effect Two. My number four is The Last of Us mm, because okay. it affected me in a way that I didn't think a video game could. And then I read The Road, and mm. I was like, oh. This is just The Last of Us, the book. Um, yep. It's 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 such a good story. Um, 
Joel is a character that part of me wants to be, you know, mm-hmm. just this very kind of, just, he's, I mean, he, it's, it's obvious that he cares. That's the thing about Joel mm-hmm. is that he's just this very convicted, just stand up guy. Um, he, while he does lie to Ellie, I mean, fuck, what are you going to do in that situation? You know? Right. Exactly. Um, no, I loved I loved Last of Us. It was just such a mm-hmm. it's a great story, great characters, great gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. I love the crafting mechanic, and I usually hate crafting mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I don't have a bad thing to say about it, except for the fact that I still have nightmares of hearing like clickers. Um, that's the only bad thing about that game. Stop! 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hi, <laughs> this is Spooky ASMR, and I'm going to go change pants. I'll be right back. Okay, cool. Um, number three for me is Persona 5. I almost put Persona 5 on my list. Yeah, Persona 5 is fucking phenomenal. And I the music the story. is fire, dude. <laughs> The music, the fucking aesthetic, just just shoot it all. Take that game. Ooh, hear that? Tapping a vein, shoot it into my veins. Get it, get it. I'd never me, see it coming. That, just uh, you fuck never me see up, fam. That is a, man. Doo, it is a doo. great, great game. I, I usually don't like JRPGs besides like Final Fantasy. And I yeah. loved it. It's just um, so stylish, you know, it's hard not to love it. Yeah. Yeah, and the like the whole idea behind Persona is such a cool, cool thing. You know, these like kids who become like thieves that are kind of like Inception, mm-hmm. but instead of going in your brain, mm-hmm. we go into the dark parts of your heart because you're a bad mm-hmm. person secretly. Uh, yep. It's just so cool. It's just really, really cool to me. I'm honestly, I'm thankful. So Persona Four was on the other side, like the 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 back, like the other side of the decade. So I was thankful because. If Persona 4 had also released this decade, I would have had two Persona games on my list because Persona <laughs> 4 is also incredible. I've heard that it is. Um, I saw Persona to play it. Yeah, Persona 5 is incredible. Um, Persona 5, the Royal is coming out next year, and I'm very excited about that as well because because I I love Persona because like they have these super core awesome experiences, but then they release like this bonus like a couple years later or like a year or two later. That's just like not just like a remaster, but like here's new content and like, here's all Extra this stuff new added shit. To it. Like it's mm-hmm. so love that. Nice. What is your number three, sir? I'm cheating a little bit, but I hope that you'll allow, you'll let me. All right. Well, I said we'll the say it and then series. we'll see the Arkham series. Mm hmm. If I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Arkham Knight. Okay. But I loved every single one of the Batman Arkham games because, A, I'm a they're, huge they Batman nerd. Good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, the, combat- the only thing that I would say about Arkham Knight is I didn't quite like the Batmobile sequences. I could have done without them, yeah. Um, but... Every like just I just love I just love the kind of like 
how free-flowing the story was. And mm-hmm. they could have done the reveal of Jason Todd, spoiler alert, a little bit better. But at the same time, I wasn't mad that my main villain was Jason Todd the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes Red Hood. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Then he becomes Red Hood, which is, I mean, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, but I kind of miss the kind of edgy Red Hood that I'm used to from the comics. That's neither here nor there. This, this is me just, this is Cole's uh, time to bitch about DC like <laughs> anyone else needs to hear that. What's your, uh, what's your number two, my dude? My number two is 2018's God of War. Yes. Yes, I fucking love that game. So I just started playing good. it, actually. The gameplay is so great. It's so visceral. It's so good. The story is incredible. They found a way. Yeah. They found a way to take Kratos and make him a like an introspective, almost gentle uh father figure. Which is crazy. And made it make sense. Yeah, they yeah. made it make sense too. And then they then they had your side character, the boy, who is a boy. child, who is actually not annoying except for one point in the story where he's supposed to be annoying. Right. I will say I don't mind him at all. At all whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, they um, do some story beats that like make him annoying, but like there, there's reason for it. He's a kid. I mean, he's going to be annoying. Kids are annoying. If you're a kid and you're listening to this, you're not annoying. You're cool. Uh, but you also should, you know, like, come on, man. This is a this is a probably kind of podcast. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, kids are annoying. Yeah. Um. But no, I, I I've enjoyed it so far. I'm I'm still working my way through it. Yeah, keep keep playing. It's so good. Like it's already good. It gets better. What's your number two, sir? My number two is stereotypical because it's Breath of the Wild. Because that game slaps. Hey. I love it. Wow, it is so much wow. fun. I haven't had that much fun with the Zelda game since I was like eight, and now I'm interesting. It's like twenty years later, and I'm having as much fun with a new Zelda game. It does the exploration, the crafting. Once again, hate crafting, love it in this game because it's just cooking. Um, I, I love the bosses. I love the um, the kind of random mini bosses that you just find, you know, walking around. The side quests are actually, you know, engaging. I mm. have the only thing I have bad to say about the game is that uh, you have to have the DLC to continue after you beat Ganon. Mm. And that's not cool, Nintendo. Really not cool. Because y'all still had Mm. Reggie when this game came out, and that man would have never allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm, I'm on record, and this is going to be controversial. I'm on record on the Patriot Club, but this is the first time I've said this on the main feed. Um, Couldn't get into Breath of the Wild. Don't know what it is. I really wish you would give it a second try because I was the same way, and then I did it again. I've given I've given it so many Cole. You have no idea how many tries I've given it. I've given it so many tries, and I just can't get into it. I hate that because it's such a good game. It's such a good game. Now, now I appreciate that people people enjoy it, and it should be it should be my jam. But I don't know what it is about it. I just can't. 
get into it. The way that people feel about like Diablo three is the way I feel about Bar- Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Bar none, easily. What is your right. what is your top pick, my friend? My top pick, my number one. You may have seen this coming if you were paying attention to some of the stuff I said earlier. Is The Last of Us? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I that game is one of the few games in this life that I will call essential. Like it's so. If good. you own a, if you own any kind of Sony product and you have not played it, you are really missing out. You owe it to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, you owe it to yourself. Um, yeah, like a lot of the reasons why you said, we said earlier as well, how important the story is, I think. Like it's just essential to me. And it is, quite frankly, one of my favorite, like not just of the last decade, but like one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's just yeah. an amazing, it's, it's, it's actual art, that game. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Actual art, the video game. <laughs> yeah, actual art, the video game. <laughs> um, all right, what's so your like number I said, one, Cole? I, I like I said, I had a tie at number one because I couldn't okay. pick one over the other. Um, so my number ones are Bloodborne, mm-hmm. and The Witcher Three. Mm, if okay. you had, to, if I had to twist my arm, I would give it to The Witcher Three, probably though, mm. because I love the story, I love the environment. I, but the thing is, I love. I can say the same thing about. Bloodborne. I love the story. I love the environment. I love I love Geralt as a character. I like the idea. I love the idea of the hunter from Bloodborne. It it I, I love them both for the same reasons in different ways. Um, mm. I can't find a bad thing to say about either of them. Um. Yeah, they're just incredible games that tell these incredible stories and once again if you have not played either of them you are doing yourself an absolute disservice by not Mm. oh yeah for sure you got any uh honorable Um, mentions there i have a lot of honorable mentions (laughs) um so i'm just gonna read my honorable mentions off in no particular order um but i i cannot ignore how good they are to me. Um, so, uh, 2018's Spider-Man um, is on my list there. Um, Uncharted 4, um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Yep. Um, Skyrim is definitely on my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, Spec Ops The Line. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for being like the best Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Battlefield 3. I play that game so yeah. much. It's on my list. Um, Overwatch, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen and fifteen. Okay. Um, Dragon Quest eleven, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Sleeping Dogs, and Dead Space two are my honorable mentions. Nice. I don't have that and many. Metal Gear Solid five. I guess, but like here, you know, I, you, I've you got it all. That, I, so. I have that on mine on mine as well. Um. The Long Dark as well, uh, Animal Crossing mm. New Leaf because mm. I fuck with Animal Crossing really heavy. Um, I never played New Leaf, but I'm very excited for the the one coming up. Dude, I'm gonna have we're we're gonna have a sweet community. I'm just saying. Hell yeah! Um, dude. The Telltale game that I had on mine was The Wolf Among Us because Wolf Among I'm, Us is really good. I'm really into the Fables comics. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man, they made a, they made a game about this. Sweet. Um, and then a uh, Portal Two that came out mm. this decade. Um, wow! And I loved okay. I loved uh, pretty much anything that Valve did. So and Portal Two just is a great puzzle game, and I the idea of Cave Johnson is the greatest thing in the entire world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have three games as well that like could very well be on my list if mm-hmm. I had like played and completed them. Um, I just haven't had time. And Witcher Three is one of those games. I still need to beat Witcher Three. I have all the DLC. Like I have the complete edition. I just need to do it. Oh um, my god, Blood and Wine is so good. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard. Um, and then the other two are I Am Setsuna and Octopath Traveler. Um, both nice. look right at my alley. Um, so, yeah, and I guess pending Death Stranding being the greatest game of all time, I think that's probably going to be my my final list. We'll see. We'll see if Death Stranding creeps onto the top ten, but it's definitely probably going to be in my honorable mentions. Oh no, no, yeah, Death Stranding for sure will be in the honorable mentions. I, I'm sure it's going to be mm-hmm. a great game at the very least, right? Yeah. I feel like we're just like psyching ourselves All up right. at, that, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got one final question here. Thank you for that, Chris. Um, we got one final question. We're looping back to Alessio Summerfield. Cole, how are you liking being on the show? Uh, I love it. I love it. This has been uh, an incredible um, experience. Uh, it's been one of the most uh, creative um, things I've been involved with. I, I've loved getting to get to talk to you and Alessio and the rest of the community. Um, and it's just been kind of cool to learn how to do all of this. Um, I hope everyone is still okay with this, uh, for the time being. Um, <laughs> but it has been an absolutely amazing time, uh, being on the show. I, I have no complaints. This is, it's just been a whole hell of a lot of fun and I'm really sorry that my computer is the worst thing in the world and I'm causing you extra headaches. Uh, <laughs> but I, I there's less headaches and more throat. Hope aches, to keep doing it. I hope you keep doing it too, Cole. We've enjoyed having you on the show. <laughs> that does it for our topics. Now it's time for some responses. Our first response is from Quenter via email. Thank you, uh, Quenter. Um, says, hello, Sam and Cole. I have a few theories, so feel free to pick and choose. If you decide to read one on the podcast, we're going to read all three. Yeah, man. Number one, Death Stranding happened, the Death Stranding, I should say, happened when the UCA was experimenting with time and space. Hmm. This triggers a void out when something goes wrong, and after this event, everything isn't put back to how it was before. Similar to radiation, everything is affected in some way. The uh, the cryptobites stop the rapid aging and time falls being one of these effects, while Sam being able to sense VTs is another. Um, the messing with time is also the reason why we see the World War One battles. <laughs> this is kind of this is kind of uh, similar to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I l- I like this. I like this theory. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to if you're if you're messing with time and space, you are going to. Something is inevitably going to go wrong, right? That's just oh, that's yeah. just an understatement, oh, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Um, the cryptobites stopping the rapid aging. Uh, I just I I want to know what they actually are. That's the thing. How, yeah. How, I don't how know do where they, they came how from. do they stop? Yeah. Uh, the time fall. Oh yeah. Um, I'm curious. I have a theory, but I really hope I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, what's that? Uh, I have a feeling that cryptobites, in a weird sense, are kind of like essentially stem cells, or you know, oh, yeah. Uh, Ooh, it wouldn't be far fetched for Kojima to do that. Yeah, I just like I said, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Quinter's number two actually ties into what I mentioned earlier um, at the beginning of the launch trailer where you see Cliff escaping that facility. Uh, Quinter says, I feel like this game will have two playable characters. Interesting. Sam will be the protagonist, the embodiment of the character. You're observing the world for the first time as he is going west for the first time. Cliff will be the, quote, main character. The backbone and setting of the world will be explored more through Cliff's story. The game will cut similarly to The Last of Us, where... After a major scene, the perspective will switch to the other player for a bit. The thing connecting both of these characters is Higgs being able to be on both sides. Higgs is a threat that is inevitable for the player to face off against, similar to time for normal human beings. Kojima's quote at TGS about coming back to the game years after playing it is about the inevitability of time. Hmm. I, I like this theory. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that I have with it is the... Um, we we already know that lines spoken in the game, the second most uh, spoken character is Die Hardman behind Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that Cliff, you know, can't be a main character because he doesn't have that many lines. There are plenty of characters that don't speak. Um, that are main characters. Um, hmm. I, I like the idea that Higgs being the kind of tie between them though mm-hmm. which we kind of discussed was like a thing we believed anyway early yeah a couple weeks yeah ago. that they're kind of two two sides of the same person mm-hmm. uh the backbone and setting of this world will be explored through more through cliff's story uh i can get behind that mm. um we're, we're already we're seeing that in the launch trailer um, it kind of seems like Cliff has a very integral part to um, what all was going on. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it's playable or if it's like flashbacks or cutscenes. We'll see, but yeah. it's an interesting idea. And number three, <laughs> Higgs is not the final boss. Amelie is. No, no, she's not. Giant Metal Gear Amelie. No, is she's the final not. Boss. She's not the final boss. Amelie will be corrupted like Higgs in America by losing the hope for the world she had when she embarked on her expedition America is a lie Cole Uh by the end of the game Cliff and Sam will be parallel to Higgs and Amelie no Mm -hmm. no yeah you're saying no because you don't want to get I'm not gonna get slapped gonna get slapped uh, I love Two out of three of these theories. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Higgs, Higgs is not going to be the final boss. I feel like Higgs as a um, as one of these kind of like extinction level beings 
will be the final Statue of Liberty Amelie, extinction level. No, movie. no, that's that's a dream. That's a that's a dream sequence. I'm calling my shot right now. Amelie's not the bad guy. Bitch. You're gonna get slapped, my dude. Okay, slapped, just listen. You. <laughs> oh, I am booking my flight to Washington right now. Good, good. <laughs> Bitch, come get slapped in front of the fucking space needle. Bitch. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> thank you, Quinter, for your uh, for your theories. We appreciate all three of them. We, we appreciate two out of three of them. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you like to read uh, the next theory? Sure, Cole? sure. Yeah. So this one is, this, from, this, uh, is from from our favorite favorite boy, uh, Alessio Summerfield, via email. He says, yeah. greetings, Sam, and that guy that replaced me. Yikes. Yikes. I, That's like eight out of okay, ten. Okay, hold up. Can we stop real quick? Um, sure. I might be filling in these really big shoes here, but I can never replace you, my guy. Oh. You're right there in our hearts always. These really big shoes that belong on Eiffel Tower or Amelie. Listen, bitch. Okay, I'm not doing this right now. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> I will not do the. I will not do our boy this disservice right now. Anyway, writing in ahead of listening it. to the episodes with Ryan and Terry. He likes it. So hopefully, I'm not running in some hive mind, and all of my thoughts will have been presented by the two of them before I can submit this. If so, please just write back and I can throw some more chiral logs onto the primordial fire. Here we go. Speculation. <laughs> what if what's quote unquote chiral is Sam's world slash reality and the various other players worlds. We talk about nearly identical reflections that aren't exact and dog tag blueprints describing black holes. Why not house an entire multiverse within your game that gives story context of the mechanics of a semi-shared world. Dark Souls did this with a stacking of different eras and past champions. Step further. What if mm. our world, the one that we are currently inhabiting, was one of the included dimensions? The Great Cataclysm was a divide or impedance that severed Sam's world's connection to this multiverse network. But before that happened, what if Norman Reedus adds on motorbikes blood into Sam's reality? <laughs> My mind is broken right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Keep going. Break it more. What if Cliff... Hurt me more, Snake. Was <laughs> what if Cliff wasn't originally from Sam's world, but instead was one of the first to make contact with Sam's dimension from ours? which is why we only see the normal cliff from POV. What if Kojima himself resides in the moon with Ludens? What if you can (laughs) find our real-world Kojima productions within Death Stranding? What if Kojima built a way to bridge his games with our reality in a narratively sound way? I would be surprised, but at the same time be like, yeah, no, that makes sense for Kojima. Why would all these multiverses be connected? They're taking resources from other dimensions, much like the players sharing their resources. Maybe they're taking babies from other dimensions. Maybe Sam was morally opposed to this multidimensional theft. Maybe the beach is part of it. Or maybe Sam can kill his creator. Maybe that's why Kojima quote-unquote borrowed so many people's real people's likenesses. If not, it's a cool thought. 
Oh, and also, what if Cliff's avatar and Sam's quote-unquote reality is the weird, tall, master of pup- puppets hand giant? Yikes. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. So I wonder about that very last point, since like Cliff actually did show up real and really for Sam. Yeah. In that launch trailer. But I am curious about the master of puppets hand giant, for sure. I... Mm, I think I don't that that thing is really just been a confusing aspect to me maybe so you know how we so here's my thought and this is this is me legitimately saying this Mm -hmm. and not trying to fuck with Uh you what if that's oh my god sorry what if that's one of Amelie's avatars because we saw giant Amelie so what if that is right I mean because I think I think giant Amelie and that thing are BTs like Straight up. I yeah. don't know if they're avatars, uh, but... Um, the whole... the whole His avatar and Sam's quote reality is what's throwing me off. Mm. Um, just because... I, I, I think Alessio is on to something with like a multiverse type network going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the most sound, narratively. Um... And then Miles Morales swings in with the rest of the Spider-Man <laughs> yeah, and saves the day. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Gwen's right behind him. Yes, please. I love Spider-Gwen so much. Um, we stand Spider-Gwen. <laughs> we stand Lee Spider-Gwen. <laughs> ah, this guy with the jokes and the this antagonizing Alessio by saying we stand. We stand standing we st- uh, annoying Alessio. Yeah, we do. We do. We stay. We stay standing. We stay annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying over here. Honestly, being sick has done a lot for me. Being able to do different. Voices. I love it. Yeah, like, I love it. it was real. Oh yeah, we stand over here. We're standing here. You're getting get, yeah. get down into these lower registers with me, you boy. Getting down to the lower register. I feel like I feel like Cold Duncan you're just, down you're coming, here. You're coming on down here to the the, the lower baritone. Coming on down here, Cold Duncan. I'm over in ten. I see now. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking some whiskey. Drink some whiskey. Get, get, this man some, get this man some whiskey and some and, and, and some and some, uh, some, some pork cracklins. Uh, this man's hungry. I fucking love pork quack crack. Pork cracklins. Okay. Um, <laughs> pork cracklins. I love them. <laughs> um, the Norman Reedus ad on motorbikes. Here's the thing on that. I feel like this is just a Kojima thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the monster. Uh, same thing with the JF Ray. Mo- I'm sorry, excuse me. Monster. Oh, Monster Son. Yeah, thank sorry, so sorry, sorry, sorry. I thank you to use it. <laughs> uh, I think that's just a Kojima thing, if I'm being so honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope Kojima resides in the moon with Ludens. I think <laughs> that would be only appropriate. What if Kojima is Ludens? I don't want that. <laughs> no. no. Why not? I don't know. I think I want like a big Ludens like that we like know of of and then you know we see like the actual Ludens and then you know somewhere down the line we see what we think is Ludens and the uh, the mask opens up and it's just Kojima and he's just like ah and he's like kind of like like looks at us like with this real goofy grin. I would love that. That'd be a great kind of uh Silent Hill 2 uh Jerry's running <laughs> running the show behind <laughs> Uh, all these smoke and mirrors. 
Um, yeah. What if Cliff wasn't originally from Sam's world, but instead was one of the first to make contact with Sam's dimension from our. So he's saying that Cliff is from our world. Mm-hmm. Well, that might make sense as far as like the theory that we've had to hear about the Higgs boson and the collider and everything like that. Too. Yeah. Like maybe that's what they were trying to do with it is con- get connected to the multiverse. And then something bad happened. Yeah. The only thing with that is. Hmm. Which is why we only see the normal clip from POV. That's right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But at the same time, we've already kind of connect. We've already kind of connected that normal cliff is a precursor. Yeah. And Alicia wouldn't know that just from because when he wrote this, the launch trailer hadn't come out yet. Right, right, right. Um, so, who knows? Observation. The briefing plot pitched to us is almost exactly the plot for Escape from L.A. Look at this man. I mean, he's not, he's wrong. not wrong at all. Uh, Sam has to go to the West Coast to save a woman being held in a virtual paradise by Middle Eastern influenced. See the Egyptian and Middle Eastern influenced garb terrorist bent on anarchy. Also, they pull Sam out of retirement with the group also somewhat evoking the Patriots, even down to having an older member who is dying of an illness a la zero. Even Escape mm-hmm. from L.A.'s soundtrack is filled with guest stars akin to Death Stranding's OST. Do mm-hmm. you think that Kojima's love of camp and self-righteousness can coexist within Death Stranding's universe? Is It feels so much heavier and with weightier stakes and things at risk than Metal Gear Solid's tone ever really felt in the moment-to-moment gameplay. Yes, um. I do. I do too. I I mean, you've seen it too, right? Within like all the safe house stuff, yes, like all the goofy that, shit you can do in the safe that's, house. That's like, that's the that's the reason is that, and this is gonna monster son. This is gonna sound, I guess, right with Norman Reedus, kind of uh, pompous. Life is camp to an extent. Yeah, you know these kind of very odd things just kind of happen, and we don't really pay attention to them. Is it like? When we when we when we're referring to camp, you know, I'm not talking about like Met Gala this last year camp. Oh my god. Um, but I get the camp of Kojima. Um, yeah. I think. Um, it's important for it to be there because yeah. you know you can it, it can still be a very gritty and self serious game. And have these moments of kind of campy levity, you know. Hmm. Um. And I, I don't know if I agree with Alessio on here that things were never as weightier in Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I agree. I think it's metal gear solid has a lot of like very like heavy i mean like moments. i think he's saying like we're talking metal gear solid we're talking about you know people you know a, a, a small cabal of very influential mm-hmm. people essentially running the entire world and taking it to the brink of annihilation multiple times and granted you know we're already past an extinction level event in death stranding but where's where you can draw parallels here you know 
Yeah. Um, and he also mentions like moment to moment like gameplay, but we also don't know what the moment to moment gameplay of Death Stranding is going to be like. Absolutely, still. absolutely. So we have no idea how that like campiness and that like like tongue in cheekness and that self like that weird like self seriousness how it's going to blend in at all. Like it can seem like it could seem a certain way, but if I'm if I'm watching a trailer for like Metal Gear, like if I'm watching a trailer for Ground Zeroes. Mm-hmm. Knowing nothing about the rest of Metal Gear, it also feels like that that like tone can't fit inside of Ground Zeroes or Five either, or Four or Three or any of them. Yeah. So, without knowing like what the full experience package is, we don't really know. So I think it definitely can. Absolutely. And yeah. a matter of fact, I think it will. Yeah. Um, he yeah. did have a few more questions here. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of go, we'll kind of like answer them as we go with these. Here. Yeah. Uh, can you guys think of any contemporary media that has come out of the gate with big picture shit first, uh, intellectual read, inspirations, etc., and much later filled in the plot details like Death Stranding has done with its marketing? Um, not really. None off the top of my head. This has been a very unique, like, marketing experience for me. Uh, yeah, the only thing I can kind of think of is uh, Chernobyl from HBO. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was really it was really vague going into it. Uh, you think that you're going to be watching a docuseries, and then, boom, it's all about, you know, like, crazy corruption that was happening during the Soviet Union, and, you know, these kind of dark, hidden things that happened um, in the days leading up and after. Um, and that kind of series has been insp- inspiring to, I've heard like a couple of different filmmakers um, as far as um, historical retellings. Um, mm. Does having more concrete nouns, proper nouns and capital L lore make you more or less hype? Um, I can take it or leave it, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I love lore. I'm a big, like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, like, D&D guy. So any lore I can get, give it to me. I'm, I'll read it. I'll try and memorize it. And it'll help me enjoy the game more, I think. Um, Alessio says, he says, personally, it's definitely not as interesting to, interesting to me as the symbolic stuff and actually has occasionally felt cheap in comparison to the grandiose revealed trailer of Sam on the Beach that we originally got. And I can respect that, but I also, like, I kind of don't care one way or the other. Because I've never been, like, as far as, like, the personalities in the show goes, I've never been the guy that, like, really dug so deep into the big, like, background lore of it sure. all. I kind of just enjoy it for what it is. Um, and it's honestly been since doing this show that I've really thought about that kind of stuff anyway. And so I think just in general, I don't mind. Well, I think, I don't think that the, that the lore uh you know capital l lore and the symbolism are you know i you can have you can have both to me um i don't have to be spoon fed lore um cuz i do find the symbolic stuff cool um i don't know where it's where I don't think any of it's really felt cheap to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's been interesting. I've been taking it as it, as it is. Um, I've been trying my best to not 
read into things as much. Um, Alessio will know this. We all, me or myself, uh, he, he sent myself and Chris Hampton a, um, a video all about kind of like Lynch and the last season of uh, Twin Peaks and just being able to kind of take a director at their word is something mm-hmm. that I'm actively trying to do more of. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you think, do you guys think Sam will be as pervy as snake? No, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't. Well, he's not as goofy. Like he's he's campy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's not as goofy. Yeah, I think there's gonna be like some. We've already seen there's gonna be like Kojima has a very specific like humor and style. Right. And I think there's gonna be some of that stuff in there, but I don't think Sam's gonna be the main catalyst for no. it. Um, realistically, do you think this game will do well enough for Kojima to keep making more games at this scale? Uh, that's hard, right? I think. We talked with Terry last week about how, like, what happens if this game flops. You yeah. Know? And um, I wonder, one, if it even does flop, and two, if it does, what what does that mean for Kojima going forward? And I think that I almost, okay, this is going to, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about this, is I don't hope the game flops, I should say. I really don't. I hope it does very well. <clears throat> but I'd almost be interested in seeing, like, if it does flop and Kojima is forced to make smaller scale games that are more tighter experiences, because that's something that we've like, you know, mentioned before is that ground zeros is so good. Cause it's this like very small enclosed experience and it has the gameplay of five that we love so much. And right. it, it like really tells it does, it sets out to do what it wants to do. And then that's it. You know what I mean? And there's side stuff, but like it tells, it tells its story and then it's out before it overstates its welcome. And, I'd be very interested in Kojima doing original stuff. Yeah, I'd love that. With a similar, with a similar restriction. Um, uh, um, I, I don't think it will do well enough, though. Um, I think that, like our core fan base, mm-hmm. will absolutely kind of support him through no matter what he does. Yeah. I just don't think it's marketing has been strong enough for like more casual eyes. I agree. I think only in the last like week and a half, two weeks has it really been doing more mainstream stuff like going on Conan and like all that stuff. But I think up till now, like it's marketing has been so we talked again, we talked about this last week, but it's marketing has been so strange and very much targeted towards a specific demographic, which is us. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think it's it's marketing has been strong enough to grab the masses. No, you know? no. I mean, it's it's been targeted towards the Metal Gear Solid gamer, the mm-hmm. um, and there's the kind of odd oddball gamer that just wants a kind of crazy experience. Um, thank you, buddy. And yeah. I didn't replace you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. You want to take uh, right, our next? Yeah, I got this. Our next one is from. Sam L or inferior Sam via discord. We don't like calling him that. It's super weird, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Sam says, um, this was a message that he posted on the discord that I thought was really interesting and wanted to pull for the show. 
Um, he says, so having listened to parts of episode 104, I decided to study Psalms 137 a bit as one of those, quote, devout Christians who agrees that the Old Testament can be super metal, which is something that I said. Um, and it got me thinking. First, some context. Psalm 137, taken as a whole, is a song of lament, remembering a time for the Jews when they were held captive by the Babylonians. Um, a quote from, uh, so Psalms 137, um, 37 and 1, he says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Zion being the name the Jews gave to their home. Here's the whole chapter. So, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There, on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, our tormentors demanded songs of joy, and they said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its, forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. So verses 1 through 6, the author remembers a time while in captivity, the Babylonians demanded they sing songs from home to entertain their captors and how he couldn't do it because they weren't happy. In verse 7, they recount when another enemy nation celebrated when the Jewish capital fell. Then in verse 8, they return to talking about Babylon. And so the whole context goes like this. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Verse 9 is the author stating that it would essentially be a blessing if the Babylonians ceased to exist because all their children died. And now for the Death Stranding theory. In the very first trailer, we see Sam holding an infant and weeping. We also see Sam in pictures with a pregnant woman. A great deal of Death Stranding has to do with pregnancy and, ch and children. Sam and, quote, someone's child might have started the BTBB thing years ago. His child might be the original BT and or the key to stopping the problem. So maybe the uses of verse 9 is to say it would have been better if Sam or Sam's baby had been killed rather than having lived, since it seems the world is held quite captive by the BTs. And also Babylon contains the word baby. The baby that Sam is holding is tethered to him with an umbilical cord similar to what we see with the character Mama. We know from other trailers that the BB on the end of Mama's cord is in fact her own child, and Sam has a big X-shaped scar on his tum-tum. I love that he used them. Um, it could also be something as weird as when twins are first in embryo stage and then one embryo absorbs the other. Sam could be tethered to his sibling, a twin. Twins would also go hand in hand with the whole chiral thing, symmetrical but not identical, which we had the, the, um, the man who cut ties with the living Sam could be tied into that. Um, and this is a note for me. I couldn't find this part of the comment, but he mentions um, his, he mentions as part of his theory that he thinks Amelie and Bridget might also be twins. There's a lot to unpack. So, Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Lots more biblical allegory and yeah. sy symmetry and things like that. And, and we're getting those biblical allegories. You know, if you listen to, what was it, 104, I believe, where we talked about this, where we found there was a connection to Psalm 137 um, yeah. in uh, Death Stranding. Yeah, because we kind of briefly touched on it, but he, he mentions that he listened to that episode, and that's where he formed all of this from. Uh, yeah. Uh, so a great deal of death training has to do with pregnancy and children, and Sam, someone's child, might have started the whole BTBB thing years ago. Um, 
So saying that Sam is basically the catalyst for the whole incident. Right, right. Um, well, we know that Sam almost had a kid. Mm-hmm, Lou. Lou, yeah. Um, and, I mean, this this kind of, in a, in a sense, kind of works with Sam's theory here. Um, it would have been better if Sam or Sam's baby had been killed rather than have lived. And as we know, mm-hmm. Sam's baby did not make it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Baby that Sam is holding tethered to him with an umbilical cord. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a ton of these kind of very um, rel- relatively overt um, allusions to. Uh, yeah, birth and death and pregnancy and that kind of thing throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, twins would go hand in hand with the whole Carol Network thing. Yeah, uh, we're like this is what sure this is does. what we were talking about earlier, where mm-hmm. you know people have a kind of Carol twin or double. Mm-hmm. And now, if you look at like the whole thing, now they reveal that Mama has some kind of double or twin or duplicate of some kind. Like it's very. Interesting, I think in the launch trailer they do they did that thing where they transpose Bridget over Amelie saying the same thing, and it's very strange as well. Mm-hmm. And what could that mean? And so it's all very deliberate in its delivery. Yeah. Uh, so are we saying then that Amelie and Bridget are kind of chiral twins? Maybe. But then again, like Bridget refers to Amelie as, as a separate person, and Amelie also calls her mother. And there's this all there's a, it's so confusing. But like mother, maybe mother as in like clone as well. You know what I mean? So, and I just we never really know. I just thought of something actually. Hmm. Um, we we find out that like Amelie is from the beach. She says so mm-hmm. in the launch trailer. Mm-hmm. She was born there. She was born there, yeah. Um, what if she is the mother of Lou? Mm-hmm. Technically, that could be, you know, the Lou could have been the original BBBT. Mm-hmm. Well, because that was the other thing, too, is like fragile. I think that kind of like destroys the whole they're related by blood thing her sam anomaly because fragile does mentions like oh you love her mm-hmm. right you love her yeah so i think that's probably more accurate yeah um yeah this is great shit good shit it's that uh that good good theories coming out of the discord um, you want to read mass what she she says message yeah you? i got you Matt's what she said via Discord. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Death Stranding. And this one might honestly be my favorite, if I'm being so honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, tip of the cap to you, my friend. Uh, Death Stranding is about a man doing what he feels is right and taking care of his child until Maury Povich reveals that he's, in fact, not the father. <laughs> the baby was genetically engineered by the government of the United States of America and implanted in a female Special Forces soldier... So then you must backtrack through the whole game to give him back to his liar mom and get your child support money back. 
Of course, to complete your mission, you'll have to put a bullet in her. Honestly, I think we can shut it down now. He's right. That's it. That's it. We got him. It's like a Citizen Kane clap. Just just big, slow claps right here. A plus, A plus, A plus. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, actually, I I did see uh, Kojima tweet out that uh, Mori Povich was actually, um, uh, he he was scanned in. Uh, really? yeah, yeah. Moripovich is in the game. Like really, really? No, no not really, really. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, but here's the thing. Like, honestly, honestly, it wouldn't surprise you. Exactly. Exactly. Would, would it, would it really surprise you that much if you like came no. to a, I don't know, one of these, uh, one of these survivors and it's just like, what's up with all ah, this like genetic, Moripovich. what's up with all these like, that's where you're delivering, that's where you're delivering all the sperm to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to make sure he's got to make sure oh that's funny oh. <laughs> oh all right so we've got two more letters and i want you guys to pay attention to these letters very carefully because they might come back in a very interesting ways yeah. soon uh, do you want to read this next one? Cole? Yeah, read I'll, I'll one? read this one. So this one is uh, from my boy, my uh, my my sweet sweet Nashville baby boy Chris Hampton, via email, and he says, "I've been doing everything I can to avoid spoilers, even muting the Death Stranding channel in our Discord, but I've been listening and exploring what's available in isolation and without commentary." It's a bit of a meme at this point to hate on two things in video games. Fetch quests and escort missions. Oh, We've already talked we about that, that, haven't earlier. we? Uh, from what I've yeah. seen so far, that's the bulk of the content available to us in Death Stranding. If we compare that to something like Metal Gear Solid, which is full of consumable violence, from what I've seen, there's no killing in Death Stranding, and primary focus of combat is to subdue the human enemies. Lots of emphasis. I think they do. They have some some lethal lethal weapons, but I think I think he's right in that. Like they've shown specifically, there there's there's subduing. a primary focus uh, on definitely on subduing. But there mm-hmm. there are there are scenes that we've seen where Sam just like legit has like a machine gun and is walking through a trench and just lighting mm-hmm. some dudes up. Um, there's lots of emphasis seems to be placed on a community aspect. Kojima keeps saying you're alone, but you're in this together with other players during the Game Blade demo. This, quote, strand game runs against the basic premise of the type of game that you would normally play with others. It's not competitive, it's cooperative, and it's experiential. I think that Death Stranding is an anti-video game. I Hold on real quick. That's a mic drop. I think that Kojima is trying to do, uh, I think what Kojima is trying to do is show us that video games are bad for us. The very nature of a game on its own is that it is played in isolation and cuts us off from other people who play games by pitting us against each other in a competitive way or by cutting us off from the reality of the world around us, binge gaming culture, taking days off of work to play a game on launch. Hmm. Huh. huh. Hmm. I got shade to throw on I'm that. I'm only doing it because I have to do a podcast. 
Leave me alone. Uh, pre-release events, etc. I believe that what Kojima has tried to do with this game is make something that redefines the experience of playing a video game in a way that brings people together outside of the game itself and to build connections and bridges. See what he did there? To overcome shared obstacles mm-hmm. that we face them alone. We can leave aid and guides to help those who will come after us just as those who came along the path before we did. Anyway, those are my initial thoughts. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the final project looks like, especially since it seems like we're finally getting a game from Hideo Kojima that has the, quote, final cut on. Whew. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Chris. Um, Anti-video game. Go! I mean... I I see what he's saying. Um, yeah. Uh, Kojima, you know, trying to show us that video games are bad for us. Uh, he did that in Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> yep. Um, it, no during the, that, that scene, that myself and Josh... Uh, at the top of the episode uh we're both freaked out by literally in that scene he you know tells you you know this game is bad for you turn the game off and of course you know that's a meme in in itself but it's still kind of you know you should take the creator at his word you know the whole the whole aspect of the game is to bring people together i think chris is absolutely right on that part Mm mm-hmm Amen. Um, we've got one more letter. Yes, sir. From Mr. Zach James. What's up, Zach? He says, what up, Zach? He says, hello, MGM. Hi. Zach here. Checking in from Super Secret Moonbase Alpha. Can you guys believe we get Google <laughs> Finder up here? Uh, so with the release of Death Stranding fast approaching, I wanted to write in with my thoughts and predictions towards the latest and hopefully greatest production from Kojima-san. Firstly, we've been getting trailers and information about this game for almost four years now, and I, for one, still have almost no idea what's going on in the game. But in the current landscape of trailers that basically give away the entire plots of movies and video games, I'm perfectly okay with that. So, so, thoughts and predictions so far. I'll say right up front that I've only really seen trailers, that, uh, and that's about it, no TGS things or anything. And from what I understand, the premise follows some sort of cataclysm that has fractured the United States, and it's going to be up to us players to fill in the shoes of USPS... Fed, slash FedEx slash Amazon Prime slash Milkman Sam Porter Bridges to deliver goodies and from settlement to settlement, bridging the gap between these settlements while working for the organization called Bridges. Bridges. Bridges everywhere. George Washington. Verrazano. Golden Gate. <laughs> <laughs> the addition of Mads in tactical gear leading a squad of spooky, scary skele- skeleton <laughs> soldiers looks interesting and thoroughly confusing. In the World War One style setting, we saw Guillermo del Toro, my second favorite of the del Toros, <laughs> running around in... Leaves more questions than answers, and I cannot wait to play the game to find those answers and figure out what exactly is going on. Troy Baker, Death Stranding name, every voice <laughs> and he has a large, inky attack dog, which I'm sure will provide some heart-pounding moments. I think the thing I'm most excited about is seeing how the game will handle the don't-even-breathe sections that we've seen in some trailers. My hope is that we end up getting some tense, alien-isolation-style moments when the BTs come out to play. Sorry for the disjointed all over the place message. I haven't watched enough to really have an opinion or speculations. Otherwise, uh, the fact that the moon spiders up here are choking up the auction systems isn't helping <laughs> either. <laughs> anyway, I'm extremely excited for the game and can't wait to hear your coverage on it. Cheers, boys. Best regards, Zach. James. Cheers, man. 
And uh, like I said, those last two letters, Chris and Zach, uh, might uh, come back in some interesting ways. So stay tuned. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all we have. Um, um, what is that one movie, the one where they can't talk and the monster reacts to? What's that? Like sound. What's that one movie with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt where they can't talk? And oh. I'm blanking. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking I'm about. blanking. Where they like, they don't talk and their daughter's like deaf and so they use uh, it's the, it's the, it's, it's got like the Jim from The Office, right? Yeah, yeah. It's his movie. Like, his, he directed yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, um, I don't know, I forget the name. Zach's comment about the don't even breathe sections made me think about that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's like that. Yeah, because I mean, like, everyone's, almost everyone has like a mic attached to their PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, we'll see. That'd be that'd be that'd be Curious. really cool. I'd love that. Um, right. let's see here. Um, first of all, best of luck to you up uh, up on the on the moon. One love to you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they got Google Fiber up there. Yeah, cool. I don't even have Google Fiber down here. We just have EPB. Um, tell me about it. You so uh, you're you from what from what I can tell you're right with your. Uh, USPS, FedEx, Amazon Prime, Milkman, Sam Porter Bridges deliver goodies. <laughs> um, you're right about that. Um, so I think you're you're actually going to really enjoy this. Uh, kind of coming in and coming in relatively blind. Mm-hmm. And you're right about Troy Baker's Death Stranding name. Definitely is every voice man. Every voice man. Yep. So yeah, I think that's that's about it, guys. Uh, Thanks for writing in, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess like that's been that's been an episode. It's been an outer op. Uh, fucking, I can't believe this game is coming out this week. Yeah, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Our first impressions episode. We're going to me and Cole are me and Cole are going to um, to play as much of the game as we can and kind of just discuss the nebulous like idea of what the game is and how we feel about mm-hmm. it as we've played and then the week after that we're going to start our official coverage where we kind of break down story beats and play the game through all the way and go from there so please look forward to that um let us know what you guys I think will mention well. that yeah we might have some massive surprises in store for those episodes especially the uh upcoming uh first impressions episode so stay tuned um, I will mention there is a small chance we may have one extra episode after Death Stranding's coverage is over, but um, much like last year, once we were done with Death Stranding's coverage, we're going to kind of give it a breather and take a break for the rest of the year and kind of enjoy the holidays with our families. Yeah. Um, so there will not be will not be um, episodes uh, after Death Stranding up until the new year, and the, but then once the new year rolls in, we're going to be back in action with some good shit, so please stay tuned for that as well. Um, and then also... We'll mention it here as well. Um, please email us, contact at MetalGearMondays.com Metal um, as you're playing Death Stranding because we are going to be having an outer op about Death Stranding. We also want to read your thoughts about the game after having played it. So please uh, contact us right in. We want to hear from you. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, Thank you to Fingers Music for the use of our brand new theme song, at least for the Death Stranding season. That's F1NG 
3RS Music on Twitter if you would like to check that out. Big shouts out. Big um, shouts out. There's links to his other stuff that he does on his Twitter, so please check him out. Um, and then, as I also mentioned, uh, Alessio will be streaming Death Stranding um, from 11.30 p.m. to 3 a.m. Eastern on Thursday, t- Thursday November 7th um, for the game's release, and then he's going to be taking a break and then coming back at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday, November 8th, the day of the release. Um, you can find him um, doing that at um, uh, um, AC Summerfield on Twitch um, or bit.ly slash Alessio YouTube. Um, and then you can also join our PSN community for Metal Gear Mondays. If you so choose, it'll be broadcasting there as well. So please check all of that out. Um, show him some love if you're not able to play Death Stranding or you just want to experience it without playing it Alessio is going to be doing a lot of uh, a lot of playing there um so please check that out um you can go to metalgirlmondays.com if you'd like to see everything that we do we post all of our episodes there we have all of our links there um but uh but you could also go to patreon.com slash metalgirlmondays to support us um we're gonna have some news probably next week about like things that we're going to be doing with the Patreon because we, we realized that very recently because of all the changes in time things that we haven't been um, as uh, up to snuff with some of the stuff that we've been, you know, supposed to be promising with the, with the Patreon. So Sorry about um, that. look out. Yeah. So look out next week for like some changes we're going to be making to the, to the Patreon um, going forward. Um, uh, and yeah, so that's that. Um, you can also go to Facebook slash Metal Gear uh, Mondays, Twitter at Metal Gear Monday to interact with us on social. Um, Instagram is Metal Gear Mondays. So we have all kinds of stuff, fun stuff there for you. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Cole, where, they can, where can they find you on the internet? So you can find me on Twitter at I am Cole Duncan. And then you can find me on Instagram at Subterranean Homesick Brews. Hey. hey. And you can find me on Twitter at Sanjul, that's S-A-N-J-U-U-L, or find me on YouTube at bit.ly forward slash Sam does a thing. I'm still looking for that 100 subscribers so I can make a URL. But until then, I've got that bit.ly link. Um, my most recent video, as you're listening to this, I ate a fucking hot pepper and reviewed Concrete Genie for the PlayStation, so check that I'm out. I'm so proud of you for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so check that out. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Cole. Um, we're changing up the outro a little yeah. bit. Yeah, we're not doing the thing we normally do. Oh, I just, um, I just like this entire time, like Cole, I, uh, you started listening to this podcast um, as a listener, as a fan, mm-hmm. and then over time you became a moderator for our Discord, mm-hmm. and then you became a, you became a host on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of the strands that we've made. And I just, I just wanted to say to you that, um, I think that you and I might have like a connection or something. I. I think I think you're probably right about that. I think we've got a we got a pretty uh sweet connection there, buddy. Yeah. 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 So we're doing connections now. That's 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 the new joke, huh? Yeah, we're doing connections cuz the uh, cuz now the um <coughs> the outro is uh, Jeff Keeley saying, "I think you and I have a connection or something." <laughs> something. And then it outros into the music, so oh. that's what we're going to do for the Death Stranding season. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with going out on Jeff, on, 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 on Big J. Keeley. I believe that I might have like a connection. Something, something, something. <laughs>